Good evening. Please take your seats. We will, beginning the me we will begin the meeting. Tonight we begin with our land acknowledgement. The West Hollywood City Council acknowledges that the land on which we gather and that is currently known as the City of West Hollywood is the occupied, unceded, seized territory of the Gabrieleno Tongva and the Gabrieleno Keech peoples. We will now call the November 20th, 2023 Council meeting to order. It is 6 p.m. Danielle Wilson, will you please lead us in the Pledge of Allegiance? I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. City Clerk, may we please have a roll call. Thank you, Mayor. Councilmember Byers. Present. Councilmember Heilman. Councilmember Meister. Here. Noting for the record, Mayor Pro Tem Erickson is absent this evening. Mayor Schein. Present. We have a quorum. Thank you. City Attorney Langer, do you have a report of closed session? Yes, thank you. Good evening. The City Council convened a closed session this evening at 5.30 p.m. There was no members of the public here to speak on the closed session agenda. The City Council discussed the two items of business listed on the posted agenda, one of which was potential initiation of litigation, of which the City Council voted to initiate litigation, the details of which will be available to the public upon formal commencement of litigation, and then discussed the second item of business, which was a conference with real property negotiators, and took no reportable action. That concludes my report. Thank you. City Clerk, are there any changes from staff to the agenda? It doesn't want to work. Um, no, Mayor, we do not have any changes from staff this evening. Thank you. Uh, do my colleagues have any proposed changes to the agenda? Yes, Mayor. I'm wondering if we could move uh, item 5C to consent. That's the extension for the out zones. I'd also like to request that we move 6A, the artwork acquisition, to consent, and 6D, the sober New Year's Eve um, event, to consent. Okay. Are there any oppositions to those three from my colleagues? Well, since I'm on a roll, how, how about moving 5B, the small business initiative to consent? I'm not opposed to that. Are there any oppositions? Okay. Okay. Mayor, I'd like to ask if we could actually pull 2G, uh, update on economic development initiatives uh, from consent and speak about them when we're talking about the other business item. Okay, any other proposed changes? I'd move to approve I, the agenda. I, I have a proposed change. Oh, sorry. Is there anyone open to potentially um, moving 5A to consent as well, which is the adoption of the resolution setting forth policy to prohibit the city of West Hollywood from using the Ellis Act on city-owned residential properties? 
I have questions. You have yeah. questions? Okay. Uh, so we're moving 5B, 5C, 6A, 6D to consent and pulling 2G and combining it with 6B. All right. We have a motion and a second from Councilmember Heilman and Councilmember Meister. Motion passes 4-0. Thank you. Do we have any adjournment motions for this evening from my colleagues? Uh, Councilmember Meister? Thank you, Mayor. I, ha I have two. Uh, the first uh, is uh, I'd like to um, adjourn in memory of Carol Cosson Cleveland, mother of longtime West Hollywood resident Elise Eisenberg, who died on November 7th at the age of 92. Carol was born in the Bronx, New York in 1931 with her identical twin sister, Fran, who she remained close to until her death. From the moment they were born, they were known as the twins in their large extended family of aunts, uncles, and many cousins who spent glorious summers in Kayamisha Lake in the Catskills. Life at Kayamisha was the most formative part of her life and her fondest memories were always of her summers there. Carol was an active volunteer and had a strong social conscience. When her, when her children were young, she was a candy striper at her husband's hospital. Later in Minneapolis, in the days before abortion was legal, she welcomed into her home young women with unwanted pregnancies who could not stay with their families or in their hometowns and needed a refuge until their babies were born and eventually put up for adoption. She cared for these women as members of her family. Several stayed in touch long after their ordeal. In the 1970s, when abortion was first becoming legal in certain parts of the country, Carol volunteered at Planned Parenthood, eventually becoming head of the volunteer program for Minneapolis-St. Paul. It was a volatile time in those early years. Her office was bombed. She kept as a souvenir her melted phone, displaying it as a piece of art in her living room. Carol's life revolved around her family. She was outgoing, vivacious, gracious, generous, laughed easily, and was full of life and love. She welcomed everyone with open arms, and there was always room at her table for people who had nowhere else to go. She was adored by everyone she knew, who knew her. She had a long, healthy life. She loved and was loved, and she, she will be missed by her family. Elise, our sincere condolences to you and your family. Uh, the second adjournment is for Robert Vokes. Bob Vokes, who was the unofficial mayor of Hayworth, a.k.a. Dogtown, passed away last week. He walked dozens of dogs and one cat who called him by name, and they all adored him. Bob served in the U.S. Navy and worked uh, private security. He lived in West Hollywood for 40 years, was a fierce advocate for the building's tenants, where he worked as a resident manager, as well as his neighbors and all animals. He is survived by his wife, Patty, and their beloved dog, Boo Boo, and cat, Nanita. Thank you, Mayor. Thank you. Um, any more adjournments from my other colleagues? Councilmember Heilman. Yes, Mayor, thank you. I request that we adjourn in memory of Tamar Goldenberg. Um, Tamar was the niece of our former uh, public facility commissioner, Elena Goldenberg. Tamar had been attending the Nova Music Festival near the Israeli 
uh, Gaza border when the militants attacked. After two weeks of uh, being identified as a missing person, her death unfortunately was confirmed in late October. She was 24 years old. She was known to friends and family as a beautiful, deep soul. She was ahead of her age by decades. She was a writer, a singer, an actress, and a very loving person. Our thoughts and condolences go out to all of the family and to especially our friend Elena um, in loving memory of Tamar. Thank you. I will be adjourning for former First Lady Rosalind Carter, who passed away on Sunday. She was 96 years old. Rosalind Carter's marriage to Jimmy Carter took her from a rural farming community to the White House, showing the world a new vision of the First Lady. Mrs. Carter was, was a working partner and trusted advisor to the President, a participant in foreign and domestic affairs, and an astute political strategist. Widely recognized as the nation's foremost advocate for mental health, she was actively devoted to building a more caring society. While assuming the traditional demands of presidential spouse and official White House hostess, Mrs. Carter worked tirelessly to create what she described as a more caring society. She was the first presidential spouse to carry a briefcase to a White House office on a daily basis. As a result of her singular tenacity and southern gentleness, she was dubbed the Steel Magnolia. In the words of Rosalind Carter, do what you can to show you care about others and you will make our world a better place. Now we will uh, move to presentations and we have a presentation this evening for methamphetamine awareness day uh, presented by Councilmember Byers. Thank you, Mayor. Um, at this time, I would like to present a proclamation in honor of Methamphetamine Awareness Day. In 2006, President George W. Bush proclaimed November 30th as National Methamphetamine Awareness Day. The, day. the designated day is a coordinated effort to reach potential users with a message of prevention and to educate current users on the facts about meth addiction, including available treatment options. Methamphetamine is an addictive synthetic stimulant that can cause considerable health effects and can sometimes result in death. According to the U.S. Office on National Drug Control Policy, methamphetamine-involved overdose deaths nearly tripled between 2015 and 2019. In 2020, over 2.5 million people in the United States, aged 12 or older, reported methamphetamine use that year. In 2021, the number the total number of people in Los Angeles County who died due to accidental drug overdose was 2,741 people. Methamphetamine or and or fentanyl were involved in approximately half of the total accidental overdose cases in LA County. The city of West Hollywood contracts with several agencies to provide programming and services for people with substance use disorders, including methamphetamine. In addition, over the last decade, the city has hosted community forums to raise community awareness on methamphetamine as an epidemic. In 2019, the Safer West Hollywood Coalition was created and is comprised of multiple agencies and community members that provide essential services to the community, including the Institute for Public Strategies, Being Alive Los Angeles, Out Here Sexual Health, Powered by EPLA, The Wall, Las Memorias Project, 
the LA LGBT Center, Just Don't Die, Friends Community Center, AIDS Healthcare Foundation, and other important community members. The Safer WeHo Coalition provides invaluable advocacy and awareness in the areas of substance use prevention, harm reduction, and treatment. The city is grateful to be a part of the Safer WeHo Coalition and is proud of the collective work being done to ensure that individuals have access to life-saving resources, especially during times of increased risk. Now, therefore, be it resolved, the City Council of the City of West Hollywood hereby recognizes the Safer WeHo Coalition for their invaluable efforts to provide life-saving resources and raise awareness on the harms of methamphetamine use and addiction. The City hereby declares November 30th, 2023 as Methamphetamine Awareness Day in the City of West Hollywood. At this time, I would like to invite Darwin Rodriguez, Program Manager at the Institute for Public Strategies, and members of the Safer West Hollywood Coalition in attendance up to the dais to accept the proclamation, and my council members to join for a photo. Good evening, everyone. Um, I'd like to start by thanking the mayor and the council members for this proclamation. Meth Awareness Day is not one of the most popular awareness days. These days, it seems like we have to be aware of so many issues impacting our lives and of those abroad. I wanna take a second to talk about the importance of this issue, though. In the middle of everything happening right now, let's pause and reflect on the issue of substance use in our community, especially the LGBTQ community. On November 10th, the WeHo Times published an op-ed I authored titled, As a New Silent Opioid Epidemic Emerges, Securing LGBTQ Plus Spaces is the Answer. I start by saying, homophobia today contributes to more overdoses than ever before, and divisive politics stand in the way of saving the lives of our LGBTQ neighbors. In 2020, LGBTQ individuals were found to use substances at nearly double the rate of the general population, and LGBTQ plus individuals are more likely to enter treatment with more severe substance use disorders. Why? We know from research one of the primary risk factors for substance use is adverse childhood events, or as others might say, trauma. These stats are scary, especially given the recent rise of homophobia and transphobia, which one can only imagine will increase the chances of adverse childhood events like abuse, violence, and homelessness. Because of this crisis, coalitions like the Safer WeHo Coalition are instrumental for spreading awareness, getting resources into people's hands, and bridging various sectors in the community. This work is needed now more than ever. Diversifying LGBTQ spaces all over the country is one of the many important solutions right now. We need more LGBTQ spaces that are alcohol and substance use free, like coffee shops, bookstores, and community centers. These preventative 
these preventative measures are cornerstones, cornerstones for inclusive community building alongside very, uh, very important strategies like harm reduction and treatment. We hope, this meth, meth, we hope this Meth Awareness Day, you can help prevent substance use in your community or help prevent an overdose. Thank you. Thank you. Moving on to public comment. The City Council values your comments. However, pursuant to the Brown Act, the City Council cannot take action on items not listed on the posted agenda. The public comment period is limited to 20 minutes, with two minutes allotted for each speaker. This public comment period is to address the City Council on consent calendar items, other agenda items, if the member of the public cannot be present at the time the item is considered, or items of general interest within the jurisdiction of the City Council. Another period is also reserved for general comment later in the meeting for those who could not be heard at this time. If you go over your two minutes and do not respond to the city clerk's notification that your time has expired, your microphone will be muted. Instructions on how to participate in city council meetings can be found on the city council agenda as well as at www.weho.org forward slash council agendas and only individuals who register to speak via Zoom with the city clerk will be heard. If my colleagues agree, since we, yeah, thank you. Um, Madam City Clerk, how many speakers do we have signed up to speak under public comment? Uh, we have 14 individuals and of those 14, one, two, 10 are speaking on consent calendar items, and then we have additional speakers in Zoom. I have four speakers in Zoom. Two of those are on consent calendar items. Okay, so total of? I mean, all told, we have 16, 18. 18. 18. 18. Okay, great. Okay. Um, so I will call our first speaker, and if you could please state your name and city of residence when you come up to speak. That would be appreciated. Our first speaker this evening is Nicholas Roybal, to be followed by Gerard Wright. Real quick, um, City Clerk, should I speak on 2G, or since that was moved later, wait to that and speak on 5 you should speak on both 2G and 5B because 5B was moved to consent. Okay, thank you. You're welcome. Hi, Mayor. Hi, Council. Um, okay, so three points on 2G. Uh, in the matter, if you read the staff report, uh, in the interviews, most of the interviews ended with, and staff is following up. What does that following up with the businesses look like? How are we following up with the, with the businesses? And will there be transparency in what that following up is? For example, Kitchen 24, they're no longer a business here in our city. What is that exit interview going to entail? Has it already happened? Community deserves to know. B, often in these meetings in the staff report, it was mentioned the perception of public safety. 
I have issue with that because it isn't a perception of public safety when this city voted to cut the sheriffs. It isn't a perception of public safety when people are being robbed, their wallets stolen, their watches taken at gunpoint. That isn't perception of public safety. That is a fact of life in this city. Third, often in this report, in these meetings with businesses, it is said, interactions with the unhoused. This, this city spends how much on social services? On our contracts? Why are our businesses facing the brunt of this problem? With all the money the city spends, are we not doing our job in City Hall to give the resources we are paying to those communities that should be seeing it? Um, in terms of the small business, in the report on 5B, staff said the issue they had was the state regulations. So these principles for small business are cute in theory, but if we can't do anything about them because of the state, it's just theory. Thank you. Thank you, Nicholas. Our next speaker is Gerard Wright, to be followed by Lucien Tudor. And if everyone could leave their clapping until we're all done, it'll help us get through public comment more efficiently. Thank you. Good, good evening, uh, council members. My name is Gerard Wright, Government Affairs Director with the Greater LA Realtors. Okay, just want to make sure you don't want to lose a phone. Uh, just want to, I wanted to talk on 5B, but just keep it really short, sweet, and simple because we have, I know you guys have a lot of public comments. Uh, business is important for making a city and any community work, and it's just seeing the progress that's going to be moving forward with this. Again, that question of what does that follow-up look like? I think that follow-up starts with just having that conversation. Now, I'm going to talk more about that on other items that we're going to cover uh, on tonight's agenda. But this is a start, and I look forward to more of that conversation later in, in the period. So thank you so very much for the opportunity to speak. You will hear me again soon. Thank you, Gerard, and thank you for not clapping. <laughs> Lucien Tudor to be followed by Jacob Shaw. And Hello. Newman City of Residence, please. Hello, good thank evening. You. My name is Lucien Tudor. I'm here to uh, thank you very much for uh, uh, passing this 5C. It's been uh, three years of challenges for the outdoor dining. At the same time, I want to speak a little bit about my perspective of corruption. I'm coming from a country which the name is Romania, and I ran away from corruption because you cannot do anything. The big elephants and the corrupted people and politicians, they always have uh, uh, them way to, to work policies and do things behind the doors with not enough studies. And at the end, the people of uh, the voters are paying for it. Here we have a big example, Union Here 11, founding uh, electoral campaigns and drafting policies uh, which affects not just the businesses in this town, but also affects the residents and the price they paying in supermarkets, uh, the price they paying in restaurants, and the quality of life overall. I want to address that from a perspective of, a, of an immigrant. Um, if you get electoral funds from any entity, if you need to draft up a policy, you should stay out of that vote. You should uh, abstain of voting and uh, be outside of that vote. That's how healthy democracy works. Thank you very much.
My button doesn't want to work tonight. Jacob Shaw to be followed by Takeo Peterson. All right. <clears throat> good, good evening, honorable council members. Uh, we're very pleased to. Oh. Yeah, speak into the mic and name and city of residence, please. Uh, Jacob Shaw, I'm a resident of Los Angeles and a business owner in West Hollywood. I'm here today to speak about 5C, the outzone extension. We desperately need a little bit more. We desperately need a little bit more time to do this right. We have architectural review. There's different agencies we have to work with the municipalities because of utilities. So we just need a little bit more time so that we can do this the right way. I believe that the outzone program was the lifeline that we needed during the pandemic. Thank you so much for giving us that because it saved our business. And all of these people that are here with me are here because of that. And we're so thankful to have it and we desperately need to keep it. So what we're asking for is an extension of that program so that all of these people can continue to bring that vibrancy to West Hollywood because I believe that there's something special about having more people outdoors in West Hollywood. I think it brings something special that you can't have in any other city. And I believe that West Hollywood has brought that before the pandemic We'll bring it after the pandemic, and we just want to uh, ask for your uh, extension of that program. Thank you. Thank you, Jacob. Um, we can't, you can't give time to others, so unless you signed up to speak. Oh, my name is Tokyo. Oh, okay. Well, let me call you. Hang on one second. I didn't know that was you. Okay. In all your brilliance, Takeo, here you go. Hi, I'm Tokyo, resident of West Hollywood. Um, I love you too, girl. Um, so hi, my name is Tokyo once again. Um, I just want to let you guys know I grew up in this town. Um, I was here for the first gay and lesbian group home called Glass. I used to live in Glass and before I got adopted. So I've been here my whole life. Um, it's no secret that WeHo is really white, Caucasian. So being in Beaches, having a, like I, I'm one of the hosts at Beaches and so to have a platform like that, cause usually in this town it's usually like white parties, Spanish parties, black parties. There's, I don't know many parties that are just like inclusion, like everybody knows, everybody goes here, there's so much fun. And when we wanna start talking about the conversation of inclusion, um, Saturday night at Beaches, if you were to come and witness it yourself, all the staff and all of the clients that come in, everybody is everybody, and we all are having fun. There's no color, and that is something that I have created over at Beaches, so I just want you guys to know if you guys are thinking about 5C, just keep that in mind that this is a space that you guys will be giving us time to do what needs to be done legally to be able to keep spaces that are fully I just had a brain fire. I feel like I'm getting a Grammy right now. It's so crazy. Um, I, this place is full inclusion, and thank you for letting me speak. Thank you, Tokyo. Our next speaker is Mark Lehman, to be followed by Jimmy Palmieri. Good evening, everybody, council members, staff. Um, and by the way, first of all, I do really want to thank staff for this and all the other work they've been doing the last few months on a lot of these items. But uh, I sent in a letter, by the way, on this item, and I support the staff proposal with one exception. Um, I've been through this process. I've represented several restaurants already in trying to get existing out zones ex uh, permanently approved. And it's a process that's taking a long time. And it's expensive. Um, 
you have to hire an architect, and especially for small business, and I'll consider Beach as one of them, um, it's expensive. You've got to spend thousands of dollars on an architect because you can't just draw plans on a piece of paper. You've got to have everything to scale, and, and then we've got to deal with fire department and ADA compliance and all those other issues. So all, all I had suggested is for um, out zones that are on the private, um, in the public right of way, instead of having the January 21 or January 12th deadline, keep that deadline the same as the rest. Give them till April because they need the time. Uh, and right now we're going into Thanksgiving and then the holidays. It's tough for business as it is right now. Things are really tough, but you know, it's holidays. So getting an architect, getting people to do things is tough. So my thought was, I support everything just for the uh, out zones on the public right of way. Use the same deadlines you proposed for those that are in the private uh, sector and give everybody another three months to get their applications in, to get the plans done, uh, and to get in the, in, you know, in the system. The system's taking a while, and we all mean well, but you file your application, uh, and yet then you um, start with building permits, and even you think it's simple. It's not. I've had some of them where building permits are taking six months to get through a process. Um, so that's Thank my you, request. Mark. Thanks for considering it. Thank you. Uh, Jimmy Palmieri to be followed by Katie Orania. Good evening, Jimmy Palmieri, City of West Hollywood. Uh, good evening, Mayor. Good evening, City Council. I want to thank you for putting 60 on consent calendar. It was not a slam dunk as far as, as I was looking at it. Uh, I hope you have read the staff analysis. I've been around here for a very long time. 1994 I started around here, and I've never seen a recommendation come with such ominous warnings. Now, they're telling you about all of this overtime and all of this blah, 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 and blah, blah. Well, it's because they didn't do anything until the 11th month. We are to prepare a program that takes seven months in one month. Staff's indifference, <clears throat> excuse me, indifference towards this Vibes program, which used to be Boom is now Vibes, is not only sad, it's hurtful, and it does not meld with the core values of this city at all. But I do want to thank you. I, um, I did have a feeling, but I was not sure. I'm usually sure, but with staff's analysis, I, I couldn't believe it. Newspapers were calling me, asking me if staff is taking this off of your agenda. If staff is getting rid of this event, not city council, staff. Who runs the show here? Thank you so much. Thank you, Jimmy. Our next speaker is Katie Orania to be followed by Genevieve Morrow. Buenas tardes, everyone. My name is Katie Arabella Oriana Mendoza Martinez Lacayo, pending Crespo. There goes my two minutes. Uh, <laughs> I am the Community Engagement Coordinator for a nonprofit called The Phoenix. Uh, I, alongside my homie, my homie Gustavo Adolfo Lopez, that's as long as his name gets, and then we got Darwin over there. Hi, Darwin. Um, all of us are members of the recovery community, and we're all really excited for our New Year's Eve party. And although it did take a lot for us to get to this moment, we're really grateful for have this opportunity 
And so we really want to thank y'all because if it wasn't for your grant and for the support that y'all have given us, this event wouldn't be happening, um, specifically in the location in and of itself. I'm about to be five years sober and New Year's Eve. Thanks guys, thanks guys. I'm really excited about that. <laughs> I'm about to be five years sober and events like this make such a difference. And so to echo with, with Jimmy's sen sentiments, for next year, let's have more events like this. These are the events that can prevent the situations that Councilmember Byers mentioned earlier. These are the events that we need on our calendar. And so we really, really would love for the emphasis on these kinds of events more so for next year as well. Um, but for this year, we are very excited to announce our theme is Alien Superstar by Beyonce. So for New Year's Eve, please come through. We will be at Fiesta Hall. I'm gonna look at y'all so that y'all know I'm inviting y'all and you guys, but uh, Fiesta Hall this, uh, obviously New Year's Eve, we'll be celebrating the new year with Alien Superstar as well as filled with love and hope and excitement to start the new year in a very sober and light way. Thank you all so much for letting me live my Legally Blonde moment. Thank you, Katie. Genevieve Morrill to be followed by Kevin Burton, and then we'll go to consent on Zoom. Thank you, good evening, Mayor and Council Members, Genevieve Morrill, President and CEO for the West Hollywood Chamber of Commerce. And I wanna congratulate, in Institute for Public Strategies was nominated for a Creative Business Award for Boom and Sizzle. So congratulations to all the people who helped make that happen. I wanna start with um, consent item 5C. I'm really sorry you pulled this to consent because I know there were quite a few letters that came in about an extension for this. We are really appreciative of staff. They've done a lot of hard work on this, um, but we do feel that because of a lot of the delays, it's interesting that you could put both the Small Business Initiative and this one together because it really is about streamlining the process, right? So the out zones get caught up into the process that we're trying to correct with the Small Business Initiative, which you also put on consent. So we wanna thank you for that. I think uh, what Mark Lehman said and some others that wrote in, like Fiesta Cantina and others, about having a little more extension on that time would be helpful. I don't know if there's anything you can do because you moved it to consent, but if you could, that would be terrific. Um, the Small Business Initiative, I really wanna thank Mayor Shine for really moving this forward, uh, Councilmember Meister for really bringing it forward back when we first brought it forth in 2019. Uh, both of you have been champions for this Small Business Initiative and we really appreciate it. Appreciate it. This is really a document that we created five years ago to really streamline the process for small business to get open and maintain and be sustainable and sustain our, our unique creative businesses. So this agenda tonight is packed full of that stuff about sustaining small business. I want to thank staff and all the people that are on the task force. It was packed with uh, architects, small business restaurant owners, landlords, land use consultants. I want to thank Jackie Rocco, Laura Byrie, Rick Abramson, and Ann McIntosh for stepping in and really helping make that happen to bring forward to you phase one of the program. Thank you. Thank you, Genevieve. Our final speaker in chambers on consent calendar is Kevin Burton, and then we will move to the individuals in Zoom on consent. Good evening, Council. I'm Kevin Burton, a resident of West Hollywood, and I'm speaking tonight in my role as co-founder of WeHo Research, uh, a community emergency response team of volunteers, and I'm speaking on item 2O, local hazard mitigation plan. Firstly, I want to thank staff for a very 
comprehensive plan. I think it hits all the major hazards that we face in West Hollywood, and they've been very responsive in incorporating public comment, which they've extensively solicited into this plan. I think it's worth noting that FEMA's definition of mitigation is a sustained effort taken to reduce or eliminate the risks to people and property from hazards and their effects. And along those lines, there is a list of proposals at the end of the plan of definitive steps that can be taken to do just that. And I would like to suggest that the one thing missing from the plan is a timeline for implementation of these proposals. And I would strongly recommend that staff monitor implementation and progress there toward and report to council on a yearly basis. How are we doing? Are we implementing these proposals? Because if that doesn't happen, what I can foresee happening is this plan will be a voluminous but empty document. Thank you. Thank you, Kevin. We'll now go to the speakers in Zoom on consent and then come back into chambers for general public comment. Our first speaker in Zoom speaking on consent calendar items 2G, 5B, and 5C is Julia Camaro Calvo. Julia, please press star six to unmute yourself. Yes, go ahead. Thank you so much. Thank you, um, council members, mayor, and my fellow uh, business, small business owners in the audience. Sorry, I'm not there in person, but I'm seeing and listening to all of you. So please know that I'm, I'm there. I'm going to be there all, all evening. Um, I'll speak later in these items. Um, but uh, as, oh, and I forgot to say, I'm a resident of Los Angeles, and I'm a small business owner in the city of West Hollywood, right there on Melrose. I just want to point out, as I've been doing for the last year and a half, uh, for all the city council members to please, please uh, keep in mind that the city, uh, the, the, the project, the construction project on Melrose has been uh, really causing chaos and havoc. Um, you know, you can see from some of the um, service that you've done with a lot of businesses in West Hollywood, both small, medium, and large, how much it's affected um, our community. Um, and again, this is all a ripple effect. Um, what uh, if one business closes right next to me that affects me, if I close it affects the business next to me, this is all a tight-knit community. Uh, West Hollywood is a very unique city, so please keep in mind um, how uh, destructive this project has been and how poorly time, time it's been. I know you, got, you approved uh, marketing funds, but I uh, am in support of extending that. And please, please uh, keep, uh, keep us in mind um, because we're really struggling. And for retail and restaurants and bars, one month of no uh, food traffic can mean closing the business. So I'll talk later. Again, thank you so much for listening to me, and hi, everybody there in the audience. 
Thank you, Julia. Our next speaker for consent calendar items is Eddie Navarrete speaking on item 5B. Eddie, please press star six to unmute. Hi, thank you for the intro. Uh, great to be here. Uh, again, my name is Eddie Navarrete. I'm resident of LA, executive director of the Independent Hospitality Coalition, and also owner of Epi Design, helping restaurants get their doors open for over 20 years now. Uh, I'm in support of item 5B, the Small Business Initiatives Implementation Plan recommendations. And as a member of the task force, I want to say thank you for the opportunity and allowing ideas to flow between both the small business industry and officials. Creating understanding between us is an example of the important work we must do in, for progress in these very challenging times. We appreciate a actually having the businesses in the building process in the room when the policy is being drafted. And understanding that we as a city and county are low on resources and staff. We must find ways to do more with less. The Small Business Initiative Implementation Plan will help us in these efforts, creating equity and opportunity for our existing and our new small business owners. And COVID was hard, but post-COVID is becoming just as challenging with no federal assistance, rising costs on everything, labor strikes, crime, et cetera, continue to take their toll. We need you as leaders to create local resources so we can all rebuild. We appreciate your consideration of this item and look forward to the City of West Hollywood moving this forward. Thank you and happy holidays. Thank you, Eddie. We'll now come into chambers and do general public comment and then the two speakers we have in Zoom. Uh, our first speaker for general public comment is Anthony Vulin to be followed by Joan Henahan. Hi, good evening. My name is Anthony Vulin. I'm a 17-year resident of West Hollywood and 10-year business owner of The Collective Realty. Um, present here tonight are a lot of passionate people concerned with their businesses and their jobs. The most successful and beloved destinations that we all go to are the ones that are visited year after year, generation after generation, the ones that have familiarity and a sense of nostalgia. We have annual events here in West Hollywood like Halloween and Pride that help us achieve that, but there are also destinations like shops, bars, restaurants, and hotels that play a significant role. We need these businesses to be part of our city for many years, and it's critical to keeping our city vibrant. We are in a time when businesses are leaving left and right, making it harder for our city to remain one of the great destinations. This is a list. Um, this is a list of just some of the businesses that have closed over the last couple of years that I'd like to share. Eight Ounce Pokey, 24 Hour Fitness, AAA, Ago, Amaroon, Beauty Collection, Bank of America, Basics, Birdies, Blue Mercury, By the Way Burger, Cabo Cantina, Chase Bank, Chop Stop, Cock Dog, Coffee Bean, Conservatory, Continental Kitchen, Cousins Mains Lobster, Doheny Room, Flaming Saddles, Flavor, Flavor of India, Flower Burger, Gelato Fest, Gold Coast, H&M, Halal Guys, Hamburger Haven, Headley's, Holloway Motel, Piccolino, King and Queen, Kitchen 24, Lemonade, Leo Flowers, Luke, Marcello Von Berlin, Marinate, Merrick's, Meridian Spa, John Varvados, Optometrix, Own West Hollywood, Pacific, Phenomenal, Pump, Rafi Jewelers, Rockin' Rover, Rage, Starbucks, Subway, Taste, Standard Hotel, Wing, Tortilla Republic, Union Bank, and so many more. These are over 75 businesses we've lost and thousands of, of employee jobs. Thank you for your time. Thank you, Anthony. Again, please, please wait to clap until we're done. Thank you. Uh, Joan Hennehan to be followed by Scott Sheffer. Hello, City Council and Ms. Mayor. 
Joan Hennahan, Board of Governors at the West Hollywood Chamber of Commerce, uh, resident of Los Angeles. Wanted to wish each and every one of you and all city staff a very happy Thanksgiving from all of us. I hope you have a wonderful weekend and enjoy the businesses and restaurants here in West Hollywood. Thank you. Thank you, Joan. Our next speaker is Scott Shepherd to be followed by Karen Ayers. And then we'll go to Zoom. Good evening, I'm Scott Sheffer from the Harriet Tubman Center for Social Justice uh, here in Los Angeles. Uh, we're among numerous grassroots organizations across the country uh, campaigning to convince President Biden to remove Cuba from the state sponsors of terrorism list. President Obama had taken them off the list. The state sponsors of terrorism list and the embargo against Cuba as a whole are relics of the Cold War and cruel. This was recognized by President Obama and he began to take some steps to open up to Cuba. In his effort to erase everything progressive that Obama had carried out, about a week before the January 6th attack on Washington, Donald Trump added Cuba back to the state sponsors of terrorism list and added 243 more trade sanctions. The United Nations General Assembly has voted 31 times overwhelmingly against the trade blockade of Cuba. It is a violation of human rights. In the most recent vote, 187 countries representing the vast majority of people in the world voted against the blockade. European countries and others around the world want to trade with Cuba, but after Trump's attack, 70 international banks cut ties, making it all but impossible for Cubans to get relief. As a candidate, President Biden promised to get back on Obama's sensible plan. He hasn't done that yet. Now Cuba is in an economic crisis. Shortages of anesthetics, aspirin, fertilizer, fuel are the most severe. Children in particular are suffering. Cuba is not a terrorist country. Their doctors travel to the poorest countries in times of crisis. Just last year, they enshrined in their constitution a family's code that is the most inclusive in the world, mandating free access to all forms of healthcare for every kind of family, and including healthcare for trans individuals. Against all odds, they are among the world's Thank you, leaders. Scott. Thank you. Sorry. Uh, Karen Ayers is our final speaker in chambers, and then we'll go to Zoom. Good evening, Council. Um, my name is Karen Ayers. I'm a resident of the city of West Hollywood. I'm here tonight representing the Human Services Commission. As you know, a Human Services Commissioner attends city council meetings to share the, to, with the community um, information about vital social services provided by the city's nonprofit agency partners. This month is Transgender Awareness Month, and today is Transgender Day of Remembrance. In 2023, more than 500 anti-LGBT bills have been filed across the country, and 220 of them specifically target the transgender and non-binary community. According to the Williams Institute, transgender people are more than four times as likely than cisgender people to be victims of violent crime. 
The White House has acknowledged that nearly one in three transgender Americans have experienced homelessness at some point in life. And transgender Americans continue to face discrimination in employment, housing, healthcare, and public accommodations. Um, I just have to personally express my gratitude for living in a city that has declared itself a sanctuary for the transgender community. And the city does provide a variety of, of um, services through its nonprofit partners uh, to help support the transgender and gender nonconforming communities, including the Trans Latina Coalition, which offers um, a drop-in center, meals, uh, and much more, and the Transgender Healthcare and Legal Services Department at the LA LGBT Center. So if you are a transgender member or gender nonconforming and you need support services, please visit the city's website you, at weho.org. Thank you. Thank you. We'll now go to the two speakers we have in Zoom for general public comment. Our first speaker is Adam Darvish, to be followed by David Eichmann. Adam, go ahead and press star six to begin. Good evening, can you hear me? Yes, go ahead. This is Adam Darvish, a resident. I just wanted to give a quick uh, comment in memory of Rosalind Carter, our first lady, back in 1979. Uh, my experience with, with Jimmy Carter and Rosalind built my image for America as a young um, student, a refugee, uh, foreign exchange student coming to New York. i never forget her quote about the leaders, that a leader takes people where they want to go. A great leader takes people where they don't necessarily want to go, but out to be. I always read that comment and made me a better leader. But as, as American president and first lady, Back then, dealing with the, the um, Americans held hostage in Iran, a country that I came from, and, and the fears that I had on campus not knowing the American ways of life, uh, and, and the students marching against Iranians, you know, nuke Iran, and send Iranians back and kill them, was scary to me. And I was always hiding in my dorm room, but watching TV and, and Jimmy Carter and his wife on TV, the little English that I knew, I knew that I, had, I would have support. At and their grace, grace and kindness carried, carried me over for many years. I hope that, that our city would think about that time in our history and would never say hateful things and hate others because of who they are or their race or religion or any other reason and remember their kindness. Thank you so much. Thank you, Adam. Our next speaker is David Eichmann. David, you'll have two minutes. Please press star six. Good evening, Madam Mayor, Mr. Mayor Pro Tem and Council Members, David Eichmann, a 30-year business owner in the city of West Hollywood, a resident of Los Angeles. I encourage each of you to walk the length of Santa Monica Boulevard from Doheny to La Brea and back again on the north side and the south side. You will see dozens and dozens of vacant storefronts and closed businesses, scores of legacy businesses, including restaurants and bars, have closed 
In the past few years, Anthony just listed dozens of them. Many, many more will close in the next few months unless you take action to reduce the cost of operating a business in the city. Everyone loses when a business closes. The workers, the residents, and the city. Mom and pop stores can no longer afford to operate here and we will soon be a city of only chain stores. Please save my WeHo, keep WeHo open. Thank you, David. Mayor, that was our- Thank you, Mayor, we're done with public comment. Thank you. City Manager Wilson, please provide us with your report. Thank you, Mayor. Uh, good evening, Mayor and City Council members. Um, I just have a couple of announcements tonight. Uh, the city celebrates 39 years of cityhood next week. Everyone in the community is invited on Wednesday, November 29th um, to a free State of the Community event um, from 6 p.m. to 9.30 p.m. at the West Hollywood Aquatic and Recreation Center. For more information, uh, it's available, and you can also RSVP on, at weho.org slash wehoday. Um, and then also the city is hosting a WeHo mobility pop-up on Monday, November 27th from 5 p.m. to 7 p.m. along Santa Monica Boulevard and San Vicente Boulevard uh, to share information. Uh, bike lights will be available for people who have their bikes with them on a first-come, first-served basis. And that concludes my report. Thank you. Uh, City Clerk, what is the fiscal impact on tonight's consent calendar? Thank you, Mayor. I'll read the fiscal impact into the record, and then I have two additional items to read into the record before we approve the consent calendar. So the fiscal impact on tonight's consent calendar with the removal of item 2G and the addition of items 5B, 5C, 6A, and 6D is $1,461,660 in expenditures, $0 in revenue, and $1,674 in waived fees. For item 2E, uh, there needs to be a change in the minutes uh, for the action. It's to direct staff to incorporate biannual inspections into the proactive residential program for all units not identified as 100% affordable or county owned slash operated. Motion by Meister, seconded by Byers, and approved 5-0. Uh, and then we uh, moved an item 5C to consent, which also had an ordinance. So I'm reading the title of the ordinance into the record. An ordinance of the City Council of the City of West Hollywood, California, amending the date by which temporary outdoor dining areas shall convert to permanent outdoor dining. And with that, there is a motion and a second on the floor. Mel uh, Melissa? Yeah. Council member. Thank Meister. you. Um, the Actually, the 100% affordable was included except for just the county, 100% county owned and operated. Is that what you that's said? That's what I said. Is that what you said? Okay, it sounded like you said affordable and county owned as, a, as if they were two separate things. No, just okay. the county owned. Okay, thank you for clarifying. Sure. 
And the motion passes 4-0. Thank you. Madam City Clerk. We don't have any public hearings this evening. We do not have any legislative items. We will move to unfinished business, starting with item 5A, which is the adoption of a resolution setting forth policy to prohibit the City of West Hollywood from using the Ellis Act on city-owned residential property. Um, I don't know if we need a staff report on this, um, but we do need staff because my colleagues have questions. I'm available as I wrote the report, and oh, then great. John Hall of Rent Stabilization Manager is also Sorry. available <laughs> out you. in the audience. All right, so my colleagues have questions, so go ahead. Uh, Councilmember Meister, you had questions? Oh, comment. Okay. Uh, Councilmember Hamley, you had questions. Yes. I, I wanted to, I, I understand the, the motivation for this. I want to just see what would happen and whether this would be covered by the proposal. Let's assume that the city acquires a commercial building in the city and some of the older buildings do have um, some mixed use. Uh, they might have a dwelling unit upstairs. Let's assume that the city was acquiring it to build a, create a homeless shelter. This policy seems to say we would not be allowed to Ellis the one remaining resident there to establish a homeless shelter because it's city owned. But if it were nonprofit owned for the development of affordable housing, it would be permitted. Is that your understanding of the ordinance? Yes, that's correct. If it's a standard residential rental unit, even if it's only one in the building, it would technically be covered by what but it would here. be it would be permissible for a nonprofit organization that's going to build an affordable housing project if the city were to sell it to them they could then ellis that unit that's correct the policy was written governing only the city's actions for properties that the city owns and not intended to cover affordable housing providers or, or other private property owners. I'm just wondering whether we would want to exempt um, if the city is developing affordable housing or a homeless shelter, that that would also be an exemption to the ordinance. Yeah. Well, the, the what the, uh, I'll read, the, I can read the policy. The ordinance requires it to be owned by a nonprofit organization. At, and the reason for that language was to be clear that if the city is granting loans from the Affordable Housing Trust Fund or otherwise assisting, right. not covered, private property owners not covered. So, um, but th this is the council's policy. You can include any provisions, value statements, anything to make it work for the council of what, how you want it to read for the future. Well, I think we don't like Ellis at all and we don't want it to be used ever, but if it's being used to create affordable housing, that seems to be part of the exemption. And whether that's being done by the city or by a nonprofit, it shouldn't matter mm -hmm. in my mind. To but maybe that needs some more thought. If there's consensus, I can try and add that in if that's 
I, I don't know council. if there is. Um, okay, so do we have any public comments on this before we move into, it sounds like this would be more of a discussion. Can we wait for your comment after public comments? Council member? We do not have any public comment. Okay, then um, Council Member Meister, oh, do you oh, want to? Steve Martin just oh, handed oh, in a okay. slide. There you go, Steve, yes. <laughs> Steve Martin, you now have one. Um, Hang on one second. I, so I've been looking me, at this. Oh, let me get you in there so that I can get the speakers. <laughs> I, I was looking at this, and I, I have to say I share a lot of John Hammond's concerns. The, the city's core values, people get elected to city council's core values, are not gonna be willy-nilly, well, ellicing people out of city-owned buildings unless there's some plan. This seems to be more of a solution in search of a problem, and I worry about how it may unduly tie your hands in the future. I also don't think the public would, if there really is an issue, whether a nonprofit that if, if the city's acquired a piece of property and then gives it to a nonprofit unless the nonprofit Ellis, I don't think that's going to be any more popular. So I, I just think that maybe take a few steps back, look at this a little longer, and decide whether you, it's really necessary. That's all. Thank you. Thank you, Steve. That's our only speaker, Mayor. Councilmember Meister. Thank you. Um, thank you, Mayor. I, I actually have a, a, the opposite problem with this. Um, ordinance. Um, I believe the intent of, of this uh, ordinance was to actually prevent the city from ellicing any rent-stabilized tenants from any units that they own. And to me, to then say uh, we can provide money, though, to uh, from the Affordable Housing Trust Fund to uh, a nonprofit for acquisition of the property with the intent of ellicing the existing tenants is just as bad as ellicing our own property. So we, are, we should either be consistent and be working to protect the rent-stabilized units, period, or, or not, um, but I don't think you can have it half and half here. I think it's got to be one way or the other. So I, I'm not supportive of the ordinance as it is right now because I feel that our, our money from the Affordable Trust Fund shouldn't be used for that same intent of ellicing uh, uh, rent-stabilized units. We, we keep talking about protecting our rent-stabilized tenants, but yet the whole, the whole purpose this came forward was to, um, for example, with, with Laurel, you know, that, that the city ellised that property. They ellised rent-stabilized units to build affordable housing, which, you know, a noble uh, intent. However, in the process, getting rid of, you know, a number of, of people. So, thank you. Uh, Council Member Byers. Yeah, it, it just sounds like there's a potentially more appropriate solution if we give this more time. So I'd be open to giving this more time and bringing something back um, that may address the concerns that Councilmember Heilman and Meister both uh, illustrated. I would move to table this and uh, ask staff to bring back some additional information on the points that were raised by, by all of the council members. Yeah, and I, I tend to, um, uh, I'd like to see alternatives as well and actually Councilmember Meister's uh, comments I agree with because the point of this was to uh, have the values of not ellicing anyone. 
Um, so uh, I'd like to see that come back as well uh, with a little more. And then also having Mayor Pro Tem Erickson here would be good. I think this was originally his item? No? Councilmember D'Amico. Oh, Councilmember D'Amico. Okay, thank you. Well, different, John. Okay. Mayor, we have a motion and a second on the floor to table the item. Sorry, Granite, this is a little slow. So the motion passes 4-0 to table the item. Great. Um, let's take a 10-minute uh, or 11-minute break and come back at 7.15. Thank you. Please return to your seats. We will now resume the city council meeting. We're now moving to new business with item 6B and hearing 2G concurrently, support for West Hollywood's local business community. Um, city manager will start off with a brief overview and then followed by staff. Thank you, Mayor. Good evening, Mayor, Mayor Pro Tem, I'm sorry, Mayor and City Council members. Um, so this item is support for West Hollywood's local business community. Um, I'll provide a brief overview of the item um, and how it originated, and then I'll have Laura Byrie, our Economic Development Director, provide more detail of the recommendations in the item. Uh, we also have Paulo Kesperdit, our Management Analyst, Jackie Rocco, Deputy City Manager, and Christine Seyfried assistant to the city app manager, um, available for questions after as well as myself and Lauren Langer, city attorney. Um, 
so this item provides two point five million in fee waivers for local businesses three hundred thousand dollars for marketing support for local businesses eighteen thousand dollars to conduct a survey of the current conditions of the local business economy as well as modifications to the minimum wage ordinance related to paid time off and full service restaurants and bars. Um, I just want to provide some context on how the item originated. Um, in June of 2023, the Chamber of Commerce on behalf of about 40 local businesses sent a letter to the city council and copied me um, entitled critical state of, 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 critical state <laughs> of businesses. Uh, the letter outlined factors impacting our local businesses and made a number of requests to the city council. Uh, I discussed the letter with each council member to determine if there was interest in, from the city council um, to work for staff to work with the, the business community regarding the concerns in the letter. Uh, there did seem to be interest. The staff began working with the business community this past summer and developed the recommendations that are before you tonight. Uh, lastly, I was made aware of concerns that employees were not involved in the conversation. Uh, I will take any blame for that. Uh, it was important to staff that the goals of the minimum wage ordinance that the city council spent many hours deliberating over um, um, and also the things that the council felt most strongly about were maintained um, in this item. And so we believe that that's what this item does. And at this time, I'll turn it over to Laura Byrie. Thank you, David. Good evening. As mentioned, I'm Laura Byrie, the city's director of economic development. We're going to have a brief presentation, and I will emphasize the word brief on that presentation. And it'll be up on the slides momentarily. Um, as we get those slides up on the screen for you, I don't want to waste any minutes of time, so I'll go ahead and start speaking. We have divided the uh, recommendations tonight. There are nine recommendations, and we have divided them into, you can see the nine recommendations right up there. These nine recommendations have been divided into four different focus areas for tonight's discussion. The first is on fee and tax waivers and marketing support, the second being on the minimum wage ordinance updates, third is the statistically valid business conditions survey, and fourth is the other requested support items that we received from the business community as part of the critical state of business letter, as well as our outreach meetings that we have been doing at your direction. To start us off with that first section on the fee and tax waivers, as well as marketing support, you'll see four items on the screen in front of you. That is the waiver of business tax certificate fees, and this is with regard to the renewals. It should be clear that this will only be applicable to businesses that are not delinquent as of December 31 of this year. We would estimate that would be a financial impact to the city of approximately $2 million in lost revenue. The second bubble that you see there is the waiver of parking credit fees. Now this recommendation is again only going to be applicable for those businesses that are not delinquent as of December 31 of 2023. Financial impact on that would be roughly $400,000 in lost revenue. Both of these are considered one-time waivers for fiscal year 2023-2024, the current fiscal year in which we are in. The third bubble that you see there is related to the waiver of select outdoor dining fees. I want to emphasize the word select on that. When you look at the different factors that go into outdoor dining fees, there are many. Some of the ones that we are looking to recommend 
this evening with regard to waiving would be the application fees, the administrative permit fees, and the annual encroachment permit fees. This is also known as the annual license renewal fees for businesses. And again, that would be for those that are not delinquent as of December 31 of this year. The financial estimated impact on that would be $100,000 in loss of revenue. You may be familiar in the past item that was brought to City Council on consent, moved to consent tonight with related to the out zones and other items related to outdoor dining. This item does not recommend the waiver of reducing those fees that are charged if someone were to have outdoor dining in a parking space. It also does not waive the fees related to inspection of permits and the survey that would be required in order to have those outdoor dining. The fourth bubble that you see here is regarding to the enhanced for marketing for local businesses. This is the recommendation to contract with Visit West Hollywood, who is our local tourism agency, to do enhanced marketing for local businesses. As you know, Visit West Hollywood already markets the city as a whole as a destination. And this would give an additional boost to drive traffic specifically to our local businesses. They will do targeted efforts for this marketing based on data that they have and we're looking at a financial impact of roughly $150,000 to $300,000. The second section of recommendations in tonight's item is with regard to the minimum wage ordinance. There are three different bubbles that you see on your screen here. So we've broken that down into the paid time off, the full service restaurants and bars, and the minimum wage rate. It should be noted that the staff does not have recommendations tonight with regard to any changes for the minimum wage rate itself. We are providing information in the report with examples of what the other jurisdictions neighboring us have for their minimum wage rate. With regard to the full service restaurants and bars, staff is recommending to direct staff to work with the city attorney and our local business community to develop amendments to the minimum wage ordinance that would exempt full service restaurants and bars that can demonstrate that all employees are receiving at least the city's minimum wage. And with regard to paid time off, the modifications and recommendations that are included in the report tonight have to do with maintaining the 96 hours in total that was adopted as part of the original minimum wage ordinance, but breaking it down as you see here. 48 hours of compensated sick leave for all employees, accruing at a rate of one hour for every 30 hours worked, with additional 48 hours of compensated vacation or personal leave, but for that would be specifically for employees that work an average of 30 hours or more per week accruing at a rate of one hour for every 30 hours worked. We will be giving you further comparison detail if you would like in future slides that we can bring up to help explain the difference between the current minimum wage ordinance and the proposed changes. The next section is the survey of local business conditions. This recommendation is to enter in a contract with FM3, who many of you are already familiar with, have done quite a bit of service survey work for the city of West Hollywood previously. The survey would be to conduct a survey of up to 200 West Hollywood businesses by using direct outreach calls to obtain a statistically valid point-in-time assessment of the current business conditions in the city. This came as a result of the requests from the business community, not only during those outreach meetings, but also as part of the request from the chamber. The fourth section in which the report is detailed tonight are two sections that the staff is not recommending for any changes at this time. So there was a request for a sales tax waiver and staff is not recommending moving forward on that. As you are all aware, sales tax is directed by the state and any type of sales tax that was adopted by the voters would then have to be revisited to the voters. 
The additional item on here for requesting temporary signage, you actually already took care of that item this evening as part of your discussion when you moved the item regarding the small business initiatives to the consent calendar, and that is in phase one of those small business initiatives to direct staff to work on looking at the temporary signage. And that is things such as A-frames, banners, sidewalk signage. I've also put up the nine recommendations here on the screen for you, just as a quick refresher from where we started at the beginning. Those are also the nine that are included in your report. I'm trying to keep the presentation brief. I know we have quite a few public comments. We are available to answer any questions as well. Thank you. Can you keep this up? Sure can. Thank you. Um, do my colleagues have questions, just questions at this time? Any questions? Nope. Okay, I have one question as a clarification for um, item six. Uh, this does this exempts um, hotels, correct? Hotel workers? Yes, yes. And does that also exempt restaurants at hotels? Yes, it exempts hotel workers as defined in the minimum wage ordinance, and the minimum wage ordinance includes any, any businesses that are on the hotel property. So restaurants, retail businesses, um, all of those are considered part of the hotel based on the ordinance that was adopted by the council. Okay, that wasn't clear to me, so I wanted to get that as a clarification. Um, so we're ready for public comment. When we go to public comment, I have to take this slide down, but we can put the slide back up when we do council member comments. If Thank you, okay. Madam City Clerk. You're welcome. Okay, so we have a lot of speakers this evening. So again, please don't clap. Um, don't hold signs up where others behind you can't see, um, and I, I appreciate that. So we will start with Lucien Tudor to be followed by Mike Illick. Hello, good evening again. Uh, I'm speaking about minimum wage. Uh, I know this minimum wage for everybody to have a better living wage for everyone. Uh, it's well-intended policy. But unfortunately, the results of that is making people losing their job. We eliminate the whole department of busers. Uh, we put more pressure on our servers just in order to, to survive. At the same time, we make no profit this year at La Boheme, and I don't have any rent to pay at La Boheme. We want the property as well. So we passing very difficult times. Please review the, uh, the minimum wage policy for restaurants, for low profitability businesses in general. It's very important, like, you do policy which keeps us alive uh, and keeps the jobs of the people. Because as well intended this policy is, the results of it, I eliminate 20% of my staff. Staff which, uh, which are the, uh, the, uh, the people who need most this job, people who maybe doesn't speak English, or people which doesn't have a certain skill. People like me, with no education, cleaning tables. That's how I start this job. That's how I'm here, and I'm, I'm guiding a company, a, a, a public company. So please think about those people when, uh, when you approve or uh, disagree with these uh, staff recommendations. Thank you very much. Thank you, Lucien. The next speaker is Mike Illick to be followed by Joan Hennahan. Thanks, everyone. Uh, Mike Illick uh, with Catch Restaurant. I uh, apologize if I don't follow suit to 
the formalities, but I'm kind of new to this. Um, I don't understand <clears throat> how staff, with all of the information at hand, does not promote, pr propose changing the minimum wage ordinance. It's dismissive of all of the work that we've done in the last three months in meeting with you guys and in this sort of open conversation we've been having. So I'm, I'm confused there. Um, no disrespect to all the work done on them, but the proposed waivers of fees are an admission of the problems that we're having and that, that we face, and they should not be considered a solution. The solution lies in reconsidering the compensated leave mandate and minimum wage ordinance to a minimum be competitive with neighboring cities and at maximum lead the way in providing much needed increases to our non-tipped family. You can have both the highest minimum wage in the country and transparent compensation for all of our employees. To mandate an ordinance that decreases the number of jobs employers can offer I think is not any of our intents. Um, I want to thank the council and city manager for being open to amending the minimum wage ordinance and compensated uh, leave mandate. We have options. We need your support specifically to change the compensated leave to align with our neighboring cities. I'd also like to express the dire necessity to amend the minimum, minimum wage ordinance allowing for tipped employees to receive a lesser hourly wage in order to allocate more wages to non-tipped employees. With the help of legal, there is a way with precedent. The intention was noble a year and a half ago. That intention was to increase the quality of life for our lowest paid, for our lowest paid employees. We now have data and it has failed. The increase went to the highest paid employees while the lowest paid employees remain the same. In addition, with the sharp decline in revenue for hospitality workers, all employers are being paid less with less hours and less work to do. Business is struggling. We've had to decrease our labor force by 25%. For catch, that means 50 jobs. I personally know wonderful operators that would add value to the city Thank but you, won't Mike. invest based on I the have current to ordinances. Ask you to wrap. Thank you. Our next speaker is Joan Hennehan to be filed by, followed by Maya Nunn. Good evening again, um, City Council. <clears throat> we who, uh, Joan Hennehan, uh, Board of Governors, uh, West Hollywood Chamber of Commerce. We who uh, represent the uh, West Hollywood business community have three uh, major areas of concern this evening in an effort to stay viable and to continue to be able to provide jobs and services. One, uh, specifically to eliminate PTO, paid time off, for uh, only for workers, as does the part-time workers, as does the city of Los Angeles. Two, um, suspend a uh, CPI increase until California state law catches up. Existing minimum wage currently exceeds mandated amounts, which uh, takes pressure off of the urgency to increase the CPI uh, imminently. Uh, three, adoption of a total compensation model, as has been successful legal precedent in Seattle. Tips and commissions would be part of that model. Businesses are paying as much as 30% of revenue on the taxes, tips, and credit card fees currently. We seek to be economically sustainable on the local level. Uh, there is understandable resentment over systemic wealth inequality in this country on a grand scale, but this does not apply to local small business owners who are trying to survive on a daily basis. Thank you for your consideration. Thank you, Joan. Our next speaker is Maya Nunn to be followed by Kayla Smith. I think it's clear when a city is thriving and when it is struggling, and I think a quick look around West Hollywood shows a city that is struggling. The massive amount of closed buildings and businesses reveal a city that 
is not what it once was. As has been said before me, originally well-intentioned legislation is causing both businesses and employees to struggle. Employees should not have to live in fear of not knowing when they might wake up with no job because their employer cannot afford their labor. There's a happy medium that needs to be found between fairly compensating employees and allowing their employers the means to provide that. Thank you. Thank you, Maya. Uh, next speaker is Kayla Smith to be followed by Elliot Prosciutti. No, Kayla? Okay, Elliot Prosciutti. Okay, no, Elliot. Uh, Lourdes Nalasco and Lourdes needs translation. Por favor, su nombre and Maria Nolasco. So you can't stand. I'm sorry, because you're blocking the people behind you. Just like I can't have signs. Hola, mi nombre es Maria Nolasco. Soy trabajadora y me opongo firmemente a este punto y les insisto a votar no. Agradezco el consejo. Can we bring the mic down, please, so we can hear her? Agradezco el, agradezco el consejo por, por aumentar el salario mínimo el año pasado, pero todavía es demasiado bajo para llegar a fin de este mes. Hello, my name is Nurdes uh, Nolasco, and I um, am firmly opposed to this proposition, and I insist that you all vote no. Um, I really appreciate what the city council has done for us as workers in increasing the minimum wage for service workers in the city, um, but it is still too low to get to the end of the month. Estoy especialmente estoy especialmente preocupada por la propuesta de discrepancia de nuestras leyes y crear efectivamente un salario mínimo con una propina más bajo. Algo que es ilegal en nuestro estado y horrible para los trabajadores que dependen de las propinas para sobrevivir. Por favor, voten no. Um, I'm especially worried that this proposal would gut the current minimum wage protections that we have um, and that it would um, effectively decrease the uh, the tips and service charges that workers are receiving, um, something that um, from my understanding is not legal in our state and is also very damaging and hurtful to the workers who depend on those tips to be able to live. Um, so please vote no on this. Thank you. Our next speaker is uh, Marcus Molina to be followed by David Stuckey. Uh, thank you, Mayor and City Council members for your time. I'm Marcus Molina and I have been a West Hollywood resident for 25 years and I work at one hotel as a banquet server. Please do not reduce our minimum wage because one hotel is already reducing our service charge. In October 2021, the sales director and GM of one hotel decided to take away the service charge from the banquet servers on room rentals because the one hotel GM said it's unfair to the hotel to give banquet servers a service charge on the room rental, even though that's been grandfathered in since 2017. On a completely separate note, last month, 
One hotel failed to pay me $1,400 in service charges. Three of my coworkers were missing $1,500 each in service charges, and several other coworkers were missing $500 in service charges due to computer glitches. Banquet servers need our service charges and our minimum wage because we have unpredictable schedules. We work at, we start shifts at 2 a.m., 3 a.m., 4 a.m. We work Friday night, Saturday night. We work outside in the Santa Ana winds, in the cold, the rain, the heat. Banquet servers provide the service that brings in the profits for the hotel owner. The hotel owner is worth $4.6 billion. You'd have to make $5,000 every single day for the next 2,516 days. The one hotel owner can afford the minimum wage. I do not worry about billionaires. I worry about the dedicated hotel workers and restaurant workers of this city reduced to living in their cars if you reduce their minimum wage. Thank you. Thank you, Marcus. Our next speaker is David Stuckey to be followed by Danielle Wilson. Hi, my name is David Stuckey. Um, I am a front desk agent at the One Hotel in West Hollywood. I have been there for about two years. I wanna thank uh, the mayor and city council for allowing me this time uh, to share. I came to West Hollywood to save my life. Um, I came here to go to treatment uh, for drug abuse. Um, I chose to stay in West Hollywood because of the wages that one hotel was offering. I looked all around the city of Los Angeles to find a full-time job. All I could find that would sustain my life and pay my student loans, all of my debt, was here in West Hollywood. So while people are saying, I don't belong here, I'm not a resident, which one of the Chamber of Commerce members said when I entered this room, I work, I live, I pay taxes. Please do not get rid of the minimum wage ordinance. This is one of the reasons people flock to West Hollywood to work and to live. Please support us. Thank you, David. Our next speaker is Danielle Wilson to be followed by David Fanneroff. Good evening, council members. My name is Danielle Wilson, and I'm speaking as a West Hollywood resident and on behalf of Unite Here Local 11. I'm so proud that I get to live in a city that made history by passing the highest minimum wage in the country. This happened because the council listened to the workers who spent hours in hearings and meetings outside of their job or multiple jobs to tell their stories. Tonight, I am shocked to see that the staff has taken an entirely 180-degree approach by not talking to a single worker or labor organization that represents workers before bringing this item forward. Even more shocking, I'm so disappointed to see a full-blown novel gimmick to create what is effectively a tipped minimum wage in the city of West Hollywood. Again, without talking to a single worker who would be affected by such a proposal. When council first passed the minimum wage, they recognized that customers do not leave tips when they see a big service charge on the receipt, right? Council closed this loophole by requiring that service charges go to workers, like many other cities, Santa Monica, uh, Los Angeles, et cetera. Now staff is proposing to eliminate this basic principle. Instead of guaranteeing that service charges go to workers, their proposal would let companies keep the service charges, letting them count this money toward their compliance with the minimum wage. 
Workers will end up with less money, people who are already struggling to make ends meet. We need to raise the minimum wage, not lower it. Finally, there are already shovel-ready housing and hospitality projects like the Bond and the Viper Room that could create jobs and housing for workers right now, but they don't seem to be moving at the same lightning speed as this proposal. We urge staff to prioritize projects like these instead of spending hours of time meeting with the biggest corporations in our city to get the minimum wage. Thank you. Thank you, Danielle. Our next speaker is David Fanneroff, to be followed by George Nickel. David Fanneroff, to be followed by George Nickel. Good evening, Council. Uh, my name is David Fanneroff. I'm resident of Los Angeles. I own Z Pizza. I employ 15 people. Uh, you know, it isn't easy to stand here and talk about, as a generally progressive person, to talk about why you're opposed to a minimum wage, you know, ordinance. But I, I know that all of you, you know, have heard firsthand, you know, why the small business community uh, is struggling under the weight and timing of this uh, ordinance. Um, I'm here to implore the council to adopt the staff recommendations that aim to restore a measure of balance and reasonableness to this ordinance. Uh, it's easy to forget uh, who the little guys are, uh, but you know, I suggest to you that it's the small business owners, you know, like myself, that work 12 hours. We are workers too, you know, sometimes a day in, in our businesses and are struggling to you know, uh, you know, keep our businesses afloat. Um, you know, this might seem petty, but, you know, I, I couldn't help but notice uh, that, you know, there's, you know, this ordinance was pushed primarily by an interest group that seems to have little stake in the success of the small businesses in our community. And I noticed that there was about 15 boxes of Domino's pizza outside, you know, the chambers, you know, tonight. You know, um, you know, it's it, it it's frustrating that here we have a group that's that's that that's you know advocating for these changes and you know they're not even supporting the small businesses. I think that says of this community, and I think that speaks volumes. And that's exactly the problem. You know, these people would rather go to a business outside of West Hollywood where they can get a cheaper product, and that is our struggle. And it was demonstrated very clearly tonight. Thank you. Thank you, David. Our next speaker is George Nickel, to be followed by Morena Hernandez. Good evening, Mayor, City Council. George Nickel, I'm a 19-year resident of the city of West Hollywood. Um, I had a bunch of remarks prepared. Uh, this is, it's difficult. A lot of other people have said this. I, you always want to be on the side of the underdog. You know, that's my side. But this is a complicated issue. And so I support this measure. I wish it weren't necessary. I went back and I rewatched from November in 2021 when the, the council, as it was constituted then, debated this. And I saw a lot of local business owners. I'm not talking about billionaires. I'm talking about people who have small businesses that make our city unique that draw people here. 
I saw a lot of them stand up and say that they were in favor of raising the minimum wage, but there were other things in the ordinance which would be a problem. The part-time off, the way it was structured, they begged for something to just give a little, here or there. And there were, absolutely, there were efforts to make those changes, but a council member sat up there and said that they were not willing to negotiate. And so this is inevitable. The people who said those things, they're not a bunch of Nostradamuses. They work. As the gentleman before me said, they're workers too. They work 12 hours sometimes in their businesses. They could predict what was going to happen. And so now we're here, and the city needs to spend a lot of money to try to keep the businesses that we still have here, and I support it because of that. I want West Hollywood to thrive, and I want our workers to be safe and happy when they come here. They do deserve good compensation, absolutely, but there has to be a little give and take. It's not a black and white situation. Thank you very much. Thank you, George. Our next speaker is Marina Hernandez, and she needs translation to be followed by Eddie Diaz. Is Marina here? Okay. Uh, buenas noches, mi nombre es Morena, trabajo en el ANDA de West Hollywood y yo estoy en desacuerdo de que quiten el minimum wage porque nosotros somos de clase de en medio, somos pobres, no tenemos dinero, la renta está cara y para que nos quiten el minimum wage, eso es ridículo, nosotros merecemos respeto. Uh, good evening, my name is Morena Hernandez. I work at the Andaz Hotel in West Hollywood. Um, I wanted to just say that I am very opposed to this. Um, I think it is ridiculous to try to decrease the minimum wage. I want you to understand that we are working class people. We are not wealthy, we are not rich, we are not making it through the month or paying our rent with ease. It is expensive and it is difficult to live in Los Angeles. Muchas gracias por su atención y queremos apoyo. Buenas noches. Thank you for, uh, for your attention tonight, um, and we need your help. Thank you. Thank you, Marina. Our next speaker is Eddie Diaz, to be followed by Colin Thomas. Um, hello, good evening, uh, Honorable Shine and members of the council. My name is Eddie Diaz. I actually, I'm a worker at uh, Chaconis down the street. And in general, I've been in the service industry for over 10 years now, working in hotels, restaurants. And by my experience, I came to West Hollywood to look for a better wage because where I live in LA, they don't pay more than like $16, $18 an hour. It's really bad. How can someone could possibly pay rent with that? And me coming out here to find out a couple of weeks after I started working here that you guys want to gut my minimum wage. Um, it, I don't like it. It's not nice. I'm a student and I pay for school by myself. I don't receive any help. My rent is very expensive. And all the business owners that you guys been hearing that they're complaining that the, minimum, that the new minimum wage is closing down businesses, they're not closing down because of expenses. They're closing down because they'd rather move to Beverly Hills or East Hollywood where, where, they, where they're like, what, paying super little and they can keep, they can keep gutting and they can keep overworking everybody. So honestly, it's very, it's a shame 
that you guys passed the highest minimum wage in the country and now you guys wanna take it away, it would, everybody in the country would look down on you guys, very nasty. And at that point, might as well just make West Hollywood part of LA again, because it's gonna be the same crap. And I don't like that you guys are supporting business owners so they can just keep patting in the pockets and go down to, West, to, go down to Beverly Hills and just chill right there all day, blowing money. Thank you. Hi, thanks for listening to me this evening. I'm not from the restaurant industry or the hotel industry. I'm from John Marie Fitness. My name's Colin Thomas. Um, um, I have been a resident, a proud resident of the city of West Hollywood for 14 years. I love it. I love everything about the city. Um, and I was excited to open John Reed just a few weeks ago. And thank you to the city, Laura, um, for, uh, for welcoming us to the community. Um, the, an interesting one for me with the minimum wage ordinance is... Um, we, we operate clubs in Santa Monica, downtown, on La Brea, but in Los Angeles. We have two businesses. Um, the interesting one for me has not been, we, we already pay minimum wage. We, we pay 20 bucks an hour. Uh, so it's less about the minimum wage here. We've always been proud to pay more than minimum wage. Now we're just hovering above it here. Um, but the, um, the imbalance with pay time off for part-time workers, the, the nature of our industry is driven by part-time workers. Our group fitness instructors, our personal trainers, they want to work elsewhere. They hop around the city, they train classes, clients, uh, all over di different clubs. They don't just work for us. Um, yet now I'm having this, the challenge, everyone just wants to come and work in West Hollywood. It's not about the people that are living in West Hollywood, but my staff are transferring from Santa Monica and downtown and La Brea because they, can, if they earn more if they cross the street and they get better benefits. So it's a really difficult challenge for me. Um, for that. It's, it's hard to argue. How do I stop them transferring? Well, you can't. Um, I can't stop them. So that, that, that's been a challenge. The other thing, just in my last few seconds, um, I am proud. I love to live here. I live on Sunset and Larrabee. I've been there a long time. Um, I don't like leaving the city, um, particularly for bottomless brunches, but I'm running out of options. Um, there are, there's obviously a lack of businesses, and I walk very often down Santa Monica from San Vicente to La Brea, and it's a ghost town. Thank you, Colin. Our next speaker is Genevieve Morrill, to be followed by Jacob Shaw. Thank you. Good evening, Mayor and City Council members. Genevieve Morrill, President and CEO for the West Hollywood Chamber of Commerce. I, I sometimes... It amazes me how ugly people can be about business in general. It's like a dirty word that's brushed with this broad stroke. There's no corporations here. There's no big money. We don't, we're not rich. None of that is. We are not lowering the minimum wage. We want you to have the highest minimum wage in the nation, which you have. It's, it's kind of like, I feel like it's like a special interest group saying, they're taking our guns away. And it's like, no, we just want common sense laws. We just want to be able to survive. That's all we are asking for. My speech has changed dramatically from then when I first sat down. Unsustainable policies benefit no one. They don't benefit, they only benefit the big corporations. They benefit the workers lose, the businesses lose, and the community loses. The idea that we do not support the very people who help us operate and be successful is ludicrous. We rise and fall together. 
You see what's happening out there. This policy, not minimum wage, the market is already dictating what we pay. The market is doing its job, as it always did. We did not need government to tell us how much to pay. The market tells us what to pay, just like Colin just said. We're not asking you to amend the highest minimum wage. We're asking you to do three things. No new increases on the hourly date with the CPI increase, align with the city of Los Angeles on sick pay and vacation pay, and similar to Seattle's policy, which is successful, provide a different wage for highly compensated workers. The tipped workers are making 80 to 100,000. Many businesses will show you those W-2s. They will open your books for you privately, okay? Seattle does it, there's no reason why we can't do it. Please help us support this. And by the way, it's not just the wages, it's everything else combined. High rates, high rents, everything. Thank you. Thank you. Our next speaker is, again, please, if we could save the clapping till the end. Jacob Shaw to be followed by Angelica Castellanos. Okay, Angelica Castellanos. Okay, Mark Lehman. Uh, Mark Lehman, 40-year resident of this place and lawyer here for almost as many years. Um, first of all, I really want to thank city council and staff because a lot of work and a lot of listening has gone into this process over the last year and a half or so. Um, I'm speaking here mostly here, well, in two capacities. A, as a resident, because I live on Westbourne. I walk down the street, and I've never seen it in all my years living here where I have to deal with vacancies on both sides as I walk down the street. It's terrible. So many restaurants have closed. So many retail stores have closed. Uh, and it's the wor it is really the worst economic environment in my lifetime. Uh, and and I, that's, I think, part of what we're, we're coming from tonight. The other part is, believe it or not, I come from a labor family. <laughs> I grew up in New York, and my family was all labor organizers. Um, I'm also a businessman. I'm part owner of a restaurant here in the city, and I represent a lot of restaurants. I think we have to always look at this as a balancing act. We, we need business to succeed so we can pay our staff. And that's where we're at today. We're not proposing reducing the minimum wage. We're just saying, given the environment we have right now, which is horrific, just slow down a little bit and let's reconsider a few things. Let's reconsider an automatic raise in the, in the CPI, in the um, uh, minimum wage right now. Number two, let's look at PTO and make it a little bit more in line with what's going on. But I think the third part is really important, dealing with tipped employees. I've dealt with this as a lawyer. Unfortunately, the state makes it more difficult. Most restaurants want to share. We want to split tips. State makes that illegal most of the time. So let's come up with another way to do it so that everyone in our staffs can get paid well and that we can pay back a, back a house well as well as these people making Thank hundreds you, of thousands a year. Thank you very much. Our next speaker is Brett Letary to be followed by Gerard Wright. Hi, good evening. Uh, Brett Letiri, business owner in West Hollywood, resident of Los Angeles. It's great to see everyone. I'm here this evening to voice my support and ask for yours on item 6B, 
I opened my restaurant bar in 2009, and we just celebrated our 14th anniversary on September 1st. I can tell you the last four years have been more difficult than the first 10 combined, and they've, they've yielded little to no profit. There are many months when we're negative, and I have to supplement our business account with our pers my personal savings. This is not sustainable. The latter is something that started in 2022 when the minimum wage ordinance was passed and the world entered its post-COVID economy. The current economy is ruthless and unpredictable. Customers have changed their traffic patterns, have less disposable income, and WeHo, which was previously ground zero for nightlife, hospitality, and tourism, faces stiff competition from our neighbors on all sides. We no longer carry that badge of honor. The Sunset Strip where my business is located has been gutted since COVID and is barely recognizable. It's dead, and most of the time, hardly any foot traffic on peak hours of the weekend evenings. I believe in a few years that will change, but we don't have a few years. We need to act now. I'm asking the council to support the staff's recommendations on item 6B, as a business community needs a lifeline. By supporting this item, you are not abandoning the employees you intended to help. You are advocating for them to keep their jobs. Times have changed, and we need to keep our workers employed, and our hospita hospitality business community is barely staying afloat. In order to keep our businesses open, to serve our community and our employees' jobs safe, I ask for your support on this item. Thank you. Thank you, Brett. Our next speaker is Gerard Wright, to be followed by Buffalo. Good evening, council members. Gerard Wright, Government Affairs Director of the Greater LA Realtors. Uh, we're in alignment with the keep WeHo Open Coalition, I'm calling it that because that's what we are, a lot of small businesses, a lot of different uh, groups working together to keep local businesses thriving because that's what keeps a city thriving, along with its residents, along with its workers, along with a business community. A thriving business community means a healthy city, and that's what we support uh, it, because it's in line with one of our key tenets. We have four principles around housing production, housing ownership. Uh, protecting private uh, property rights, but most importantly, protecting small businesses. This would be in alignment with protecting small businesses. This is something that's so vitally important to keep West Hollywood competitive, keep it moving, keep it thriving, because when you see, you just heard a list of 75 businesses that have closed already, uh, and that, if that list grows, that's, you're not gonna have many other residents or business owners or workers surviving and thriving in West Hollywood. And that's not the, that's not the environment that we want to see happen. And I, and I think we should keep that in alignment with what's going on with the city of Los Angeles. Keep that consistent, keep that across the board. It's not a, a negative that we want workers to be sustained. We want businesses to be sustained. It is a careful balancing act that has to take place in order for West Hollywood to be that thriving rainbow that people look forward to and seeing and pointing to across the county. With that, I close. Thank you so very much for your time and attention. Thank you, Gerard. Our next speaker is Buffalo to be followed by Josh Jennings. Um, I've never done this before, so sorry if I sound nervous. Um, I wanted to just read this first. The city's advocacy and service priorities are reflected in the city's core values, which include respect and support for people, responsiveness to the public, idealism, creativity and innovation, quality of residential life, promotion of economic development, public safety and responsibility for the environment. Um, I honestly think that a lot of us have a common issue in that the rent and the ability to live and work in West Hollywood is becoming 
completely unaffordable and has been unaffordable, I think, for a while. Just to put some numbers in there, the cost of rent in West Hollywood is 173% higher than the national average. It's 13.4% higher than the city of LA. Um, I've also got some numbers for retail lease in rent, which is that in the national average, 18.08 per square feet in dollars. In LA, it's 33.4 uh, $33.4 per square foot. In West Hollywood, it's $60.64 per square foot to rent or lease a retail space here, which is part of, I think, the issue that a lot of our businesses are facing is that they can't even afford to have a business. Specifically, some of our businesses that are owned by queer owners who have been here for a long time have had to shut down because they can't afford to stay. And that kind of feels like an antithesis to what is West Hollywood, is if we can't have people take ownership in their city, then like, what are we doing? Um, uh, just generally speaking, um, to kind of touch on that, I'm someone who lives here, I also work here, but because I live here, I have to work two other jobs besides the one that I have here in West Hollywood. It's not sustainable. I don't know a single person in my age bracket that doesn't work two to three jobs, and that's not just people who live here, it's just LA proper. Um, and that's like, I feel like that's not necessary. Um, I think the question we have to ask is, why is it so impossible to rent here as a business and as a citizen of West Hollywood? I think that's the larger issue. Thank you. Thank you, Buffalo. Our next speaker is Josh Jennings to be followed by Graham Northwood. Hello, my name is Josh Jennings. I've been a resident of West Hollywood for 10 years. I'm a Unite Here Local 11 Union bartender. I'm commenting on the proposed changes to the minimum wage ordinance. West Hollywood is known worldwide as a destination for arts, entertainment, and nightlife. Business owners should not be the only ones to benefit immensely from the reputation of West Hollywood. The current minimum wage ordinance helps workers to share the benefits of working in the great city of West Hollywood. Tips and gratuities and service charges are a large part of workers being able to afford to live in West Hollywood. As a bartender, tips, gratuities, and service charges are the only way I can afford to live in West Hollywood. Business owners should not be able to capture workers' gratuities and service charges to subsidize their business operations. I urge you not to change the minimum wage ordinance. West Hollywood should continue to lead the way in providing livable wages for workers in West Hollywood. Thank you. Thank you, Josh. Our next speaker is Graham Northwood to be followed by Nicholas Roybal. Hi, Graham Northwood. I run a business in West Hollywood, uh, probably one of the smallest ones on the Santa Monica Strip. Um, current ordinance, and I'd like to point out, it seems there's a little lack of clarity here. According to this ordinance, all hotel workers were exempt from this proposed ordinance, as far as I understand it. So the one West Hollywood seems to be an issue. Also, it's illegal for a company to take tips away from employees. But that aside, my situation Biggest part is the paid time off. I have 10 workers. We're changing those out because they're taking time off, particularly over this week with Thanksgiving. So now I'm paying double the pay. As it's going through the winter, revenue goes down. My payroll is gonna go up to around 65% of my gross revenue. And also, I'm the owner of the business. Past three years, I've been one of the least paid people in the business. I have employees that are earning way more than me with their tips. 
Now, minimum wage, we're not going to reduce that. The CPI increase, let's look at that. But the pay time off is really a big crux for me. I'm already reducing the hours that I'm open to try and cover everything. And if it carries on, I'm going to be shut in for days, particularly in the midweek. And then those people are going to lose those hours and those shifts. And a livable wage is great, but that's serving a symptom. The biggest problem here in this city is affordable housing. And this is where every city, every council member needs to really start tackling everything and giving affordable housing. Rents are running away like a car with no brakes. This needs to be tackled. That way, people aren't living in their cars and everybody can have a, a nice roof over their head. Thank you very much. Thank you, Graham. Our next speaker is Nicholas Roybal, to be followed by Patrick Diamond. Hi. Uh, I agree with staff's recommendations this evening. I also, I, I was sitting here reflecting, and what troubles me is that somehow this was such bad policy making that we are turning people against each other in this room. That's not good policy. I grew up in a union household. I grew up working class, military, brown in East LA. My father worked for LA County. This isn't, and I love your stories that you told, why you come from where you come from to work in WeHo. That's important, your stories are important. I don't like sitting here thinking I'm anti-union because I acknowledge this policy was messy. No, and I'll tell you why. We're in a period of reconstruction and reconstruction only works for urban cities when every worker feels they can be present in all of who they are. This policy had issues with it. The work that this Chamber of Commerce, under its leadership, under its task forces, I've witnessed that's all they're trying to do. They're trying to bring different voices to the table. So I support staff's recommendations. And I guess I... I don't like how we're being pitted against each other because I don't think that is the lived reality of what is actually happening. I think we're all on the same team. We all want to make a living. And that's where I think our policies really need to look at more closely. Thank you, Thank you. Nick. Our next speaker is Patrick Diamond to be followed by Amy E. Good evening, members of the council and uh, neighbors. So when all this began, I wanted to understand what was really going on. And as uh, I've spoken to most of you on the council, I decided to go down Santa Monica Boulevard and talk to business owners and ask them what was really going on. I wanted to seek to understand myself. And on that day, I actually had two people end up crying you know, who now one of the businesses is closed when I walk in, and I just wanted to understand. And, you know, as has been said, 
These small business owners are workers too. Their livelihoods are at risk. People are losing their homes, okay? They also are, they, we're not here talking about corporations you know, or faceless corporations. These are cafes, restaurants, shops. These are people. People who are facing, again, losing their homes, losing how they can pay their bills, right? That's a big deal. So, I mean, you know, there's been unintended consequences. The unintended consequences also are the fact that the tipped workers are getting a lot more money now, but what about the people in the kitchen? They're not, and now it makes it very hard to employ someone. You know, you have to go in and imagine the culture, how it shifts in that business. As a consultant myself, I see it. You know, how do you now, now you have to raise their, their wages too, not that they shouldn't get higher wages, but I propose and I believe that what we need to do is move to a total compensation model like Seattle has done. Everyone, we do rise together. You know, as someone who fought my way up to own a business, you know, who, who spent a year and a half living homeless on Skid Row. I know what it's like to be all the way at the bottom. I know how hard it is to also move up. So let's all rise together, as was said earlier. And again, total compensation model. Please look at what Seattle did. I think it makes the most sense out of anything we've seen. Thank you. Thank you, Patrick. Our next speaker is Amy E. That is our last speaker in chambers, and then we will move to Zoom. Hi, I actually wasn't gonna speak tonight, um, but after hearing some of this stuff, I'm a business owner in West Hollywood. I live in West Hollywood. I'm not wealthy. I'm not, I know, I'm not wealthy. I have to tip into what little personal savings I have to cover payroll. I live here, I share an apartment with my 30-year-old child to be able to afford to just get by. So I understand, I want my staff to make money and they wanna make money. But if I don't own a business anymore, what are they going to do? We have to survive too. We are small business owners. I'm not talking about major corporations worth billions of dollars. I'm a small business owner and that's who is leaving. I moved here in the 90s. This city looks nothing like I moved here when I was 23 with a five-year-old and a newborn who I, as a straight woman, chose to raise my children in this city of West Hollywood. It looks nothing like it used to. My son just visited me from Seattle, which by the way, I happen to have owned a business in Seattle. Yes, the Seattle model works. He visited me for my birthday over the weekend. He's 34 years old, who moved here as a five-year-old and said, what the hell has happened to Santa Monica Boulevard? Where is West Hollywood? He hasn't been here in 10 years because he lives in Seattle. He owns a business in Seattle. He thrives in Seattle on this model. Thank you, Amy. We will now go, we will now go to the speakers in Zoom. Julia 
Camera Calvo, your next speaker, please press star six to unmute. Hello, can you hear me all right? Yes, go ahead, please. Thank you so much. Um, I wanted to start by thanking um, the council members and the mayor who have met with uh, a group of us small business owners in the past couple of months. Thank you for listening to us and learning about our struggles and our businesses. Um, I am one of those uh, small business owners. I'm a resident of LA. I have lived in West Hollywood in the past, and I have worked in West Hollywood, and I am now a small business owner in West Hollywood. Um, I'm, uh, I have one part-time employee, and a lot of months this year, my part-time employee has made more money than me. Um, so please, to the, for the record and for the people in the audience, we are not a corporation, we are not billionaires. We are workers just like you. We are business owners and uh, we want everybody in this city to thrive. Um, I just want to go through a few reminders for everybody, uh, for council members. I know this is obvious, but I want these to be, you know, to, to, to stay in our minds. COVID, social arrest from 2020, the supply chain um, and um, high prices on, on logistics, um, entertainment strikes, inflation, the wars that are going on in the world that affect us all. Okay, these have happened just in the last three years. Uh, the world that we know now is nothing like the world that, was, that we were in um, four years ago. Uh, and this has been a lot for everybody. Um, and here we are. Um, uh, businesses are hanging by a thread. We gotta keep our city um, in the public radar as often and as consistently as possible. Let me state a very basic fact. If people don't come to West Hollywood and spend money on West Hollywood and stay in West Hollywood, uh, there will be no business. There will be no jobs. That's super basic, right? If, thank, uh, thank you, Julia, also, your time is up. Business. Julia, thank you so much, your time is up. Thank you. Mayor, that is the end of public comment. Thank you. Okay. Um, since this uh, item has a lot of different parts, I would like to first see where we may have consensus um, and then uh, deal with the rest. So I'm going to start with recommendation number one, which is consider measures to provide support uh, to uh, local business community and provide direction. Uh, and I believe we have the approval, uh, approving the, hold on one second. Um, Mayor, can I ask a quick question of staff? Sure. Um, uh, Laura, you, you uh, provided us with a memo which had um, business tax certificates, new business tax certificates and closed business tax certificates for calendar years 21, 22, and 23, and I had asked if we had any information on pre-COVID conditions like 2019 and 2018. Do you have that information? We do not have that yet this evening. Um, we are able to obtain that if you would like that at a later point in time. Later point in time tonight or later point in time another day? It would most likely be another day, so tomorrow. Okay, well, that won't help today, but thank you. Understood. Okay. Um, so 
fee and tax waivers and marketing support. I want to know if we have consensus to support. Um, I'm going to go with item one, which is fee and tax waivers and marketing support. I am in support of this. Are there any colleagues that are not in support? Do we need to have discussion for number one? Are you looking at the recommendations that are on the screen? I am looking at page four of the staff report, which is number one, and is fee and tax waivers and marketing support, which is number two on the recommendations. I think the number one, consider measures to provide support to businesses, is just a general, yeah, it's not an actual item that correlates to the staff report. So we'll start with two which is actually number one in the thing. So let's go with uh, the first item to consider, which is uh, waiving renewal fees for business tax certificates in FY24 for all non-delinquent businesses. I support this. Um, are there, is there, do, do my colleagues have any, uh, anything against supporting this? Okay, so we have consensus on item uh, one, which is item two on the city council recommendations screen. Uh, two in the staff report is waiver of parking credit fees in FY24 for all non-delinquent businesses. I'm supportive of this. Are there any, um, is there anyone that is not in support? Okay. So, great. Next is waiving certain fees associated with outdoor dining in FY24. I am also in support of this. Is there anyone that is not in support of this? Okay. Uh, agreement for services with Visit West Hollywood for marketing support for local businesses. Does any, do any of my colleagues have any issues with this? Yes. I just have some addi additional direction and that is, it, I read their proposal and, it's, and it seemed like it was very geared towards people outside the city, and I think that that's missing uh, an important uh, target, which is our residents um, and, uh, and employees of various businesses. So I would just suggest that they add to their, um, uh, their advertising um, plans to include uh, sure. uh, people okay. within West Hollywood, within Excellent. the city. Excellent. Um, let's make sure that's included. Uh, okay, so for item six, uh, which is amending the um, uh, municipal wage ordinance compensated leave provisions while maintaining 96 hours for full-time employees, and um, also item seven, I, um, I'm not ready to make a decision on this tonight. I am really glad that we met with business owners. Um, I hear you. Uh, I, I, I am fully clear that um, we, we need to make adjustments. I want to just say that um, with regard to uh, the number six. However, um, workers during this process were not consulted at all. When we came up with the minimum wage ordinance, there were many meetings with business owners, there were meetings with workers. Tonight, this is a substantive change without any workers having been consulted, which is what the city manager um, addressed. And um, what I would like is for us to, for us tonight to uh, 
I'd like to give direction to staff to take number six back um, so that worker advocacy groups and labor uh, representatives can be consulted so we have more information. Um, so staff has more information and then come up with recommendations based on a holistic view of um, community input so that it's a full view community input so then that comes back to us and then we can make a sound policy decision based on that. Um, additionally, my colleague, Mayor Pro Tem John Erickson, who was involved in uh, the original ordinance, uh, is not here this evening, and I think having him here would be important, um, and especially important for number seven as well. Um, so, Councilmember Byers, do you have any additional things about number six and seven? Sure. Um, yeah. yeah, I. I just want to say thank you to everybody who came out and spoke tonight, first and foremost. Um, I um, am interested in understanding better how we can modify and address the part, the paid time off ordinance piece specifically. Um, I do hear from this room and from the number of letters that we received and comments and conversations happening over the last several months that this one-size-fit-all approach is not serving our community in the best way possible. How we come back with this, I don't think is fully baked in this staff proposal, though. So I think we do need to give this a bit more time to do that, and I know that that will give a sense of frustration to folks, but I do feel the sense of divisiveness can be stemmed if we have more meaningful conversations around this. And I've maintained a commitment to looking at this in earnestness, and we'll continue to do so, but I do think that we can give this a little bit more time. There are some specific provisions that other cities across the country have done to qualify uh, either the number of employees or the business size as a provision for the amount of um, the, how the, part, the paid time off ordinance is uh, issued, whether that's a number of employees, um, size of business, and so I'm open to some of that for consideration um, in addition to uh, the amount of time specifically. So I wanna indicate that, but say that I'm not ready tonight to make a decision based on how this is drawn up in the staff report in order to create the best policy moving forward possible. Thank you. Um, okay, thank you. Um, any, yes, Council Member Meister. Yeah, thank you. Um, I actually am ready to uh, I support those two items in, in, in concept, but um, I think one of the issues is when you say speak to employees, the group of employees that we really haven't talked to are the employees at the bars and restaurants. And I will say we have heard from, from hospitality, from the hotel workers, and I appreciate that. But this, these changes do not and I think the city manager um, confirmed that, do not affect the hotel workers at all. They are exempt from these changes. So I think when we talk about let's talk to workers or employees, then we need to talk to then other workers and employees, people who actually this would impact. I also think that there is a piece of this that we should proceed with, and that is to direct staff and the city attorney to go ahead and start looking at um, a, um, 
high wage earners, is that what it is? High wage earners uh, compensation mo model or total compensation model, however we want to, whatever is not illegal uh, to, uh, to look at, um, that we should move ahead on that because they're just looking at it. So I think if you want them to come back with more information, then let's have that information included um, rather than hold off on that because there's no point in holding off on that. Um, one of the things that was brought up in the staff report is that there would be a requirement of, uh, of, of living wage, regardless of the compensation model. Um, so I don't see where it would hurt us if, if, if we are to hold off on this, and again, I'm ready to move forward, but if my colleagues are not, then um, I would say at least that part of that, um, that piece of, this, um, of these recommendations that we should go ahead and, and move forward and, and look at that, that um, compensation model and, um, and find out what is legal, what isn't, and what it would look like if we were to do it here. Thank you. Uh, my direction was um, for us to reach out to worker advocacy groups and labor representatives um, the hospitality workers are the hospitality, hotel, and restaurant representatives, not just hotel restaurants, but also, excuse me, excuse me, please, 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 I am speaking, I am speaking, please keep decorum, thank you. They are the hotel worker and restaurant worker unions, but my direction was worker advocacy groups, and I absolutely agree with you, Council Member Meister. And it's not just restaurants, there's a lot of different types of businesses, so we need to do the proper community outreach. Um, and uh, as it is, item seven, I do not support this. We do not have enough information from all workers to really understand the impact of this, and I would like that information as well as having Mayor Pro Tem Erickson here to make that decision um, and and there's not going to be consensus on that this evening. Um, so Councilmember Heilman. Thank you. I was wondering if you forgot about me over here. Oh, I did not. <laughs> I, I First of all I want to thank everyone who came out and spoke tonight. I appreciate all of your comments and sharing your time with us tonight. Um, it looks to me, and I know we haven't gotten to eight or nine yet, but I don't see those as particularly controversial. It looks like there is consensus on items one through five and eight and nine. We haven't talked about 2G, but I hope that there is consensus for that as well, because uh, we combined that here. Um, and I'm okay with taking additional time on items six and seven to make sure we get it right. I think some changes need to be made. Uh, and I wanna clarify because some of the speakers talked about the recommendation lowering the minimum wage, but in fact, you are not making that recommendation at all, correct? Pause for effect, correct. We are not making that recommendation. That is not a staff recommendation to lower the minimum wage. So no one tonight is advocating, at least on the council or 
by our staff to lower the minimum wage. Um, and in fact, I think the chamber was not advocating lowering the minimum wage either. So um, with respect to items six and seven, we need to look at how we are requiring people to provide leave to part-time employees. And I've been a part-time employee. I don't expect, you know, compensated vacation time as a part-time employee. So I think we need to, to think about that and make sure that we all are together, including Mayor Pro Tem uh, Erickson, and we get that uh, revised if we agree to do that and we get it right. Item seven, no one is asking us to make a decision tonight. I, I think the recommendation is to ask staff to continue exploring this. Um, and maybe there's not consensus to even asking staff to continue to explore it, but I don't think there's anything that precludes them from continuing to explore it as well. The, the understanding I have and, and the concern I have is that if you go to a high-end restaurant like BOA, where the um, servers are typically receiving a lot of money in tips, raising their minimum wage actually has a result of some of the busboys and the back of the house staff not getting increases or being increased only to the minimum wage and not receiving any more. And that to me seems a little bit skewed. I mean, who we're really trying to benefit are the lowest wage workers. And so I think we need to come up with um, some kind of system that deals with people who are making very high amounts in terms of their tips and whether it makes sense to increase wages for those rather than uh, allocating that money for those who are the lowest paid workers in those businesses. So, I, that's how I interpret seven as continuing to explore how to best do that. And I, I'm supportive of that exploration, whether we can come up with something that's legal and whether staff can come up with something legal, I don't know, but that's gonna take some additional time. Um, so I, I support all of these recommendations generally. Six and seven, I think are the ones where we need additional information. Uh, and I'm certainly open to getting input from anyone uh, as we explore this and certainly uh, waiting until Mayor Pro Tem Erickson is back. Um, thank you. I, uh, I, I hear very strongly that the paid time off is um, uh, um, has parts of this that were burdensome, and um, we, so I just, again, I wanna say I hear you to our businesses, I hear our workers, um, and I also hear that we do need more information, and that information needs to come from our workers, because we've gotten a lot of feedback from businesses, um, and uh, uh, I personally am very aware of the, the issues. Um, and we need to hear back from our workers. And especially, thank you for recognizing Councilmember Heilman, specifically with item seven too, we do need that feedback first. 
um, in, in, even in the exploration, because the way this is, the way this is um, written is actually developed um, in a certain way, without workers at the table. It's not just us explore, it is developed a certain way. Um, and I said this many, last November 2021, um, servers have always made more um, than uh, back of the house folks. And now, and now in our city, everyone is making more. And, um, and now in our city, everyone is making more. Um, People, please, can you let the mayor speak so that we can finish this item? Thank you very much. With regard to item eight, um, this is great. I would like to ask that the uh, scope of service be expanded also after outreach to worker advocacy groups and labor representatives to include um, a mechanism for uh, also surveying workers. And I know that we had trouble trying to figure that out, but I think worker groups perhaps can help with FM3 to uh, come up with a creative way of getting feedback from workers as well. Okay, yeah, and we can certainly do that. Um, I guess I would like to know if the council's open to that not being a statistically valid survey. I think the challenge is ensuring, because of the size of the city we are, the challenge is ensuring that we get enough workers who actually work here in the city and get them to complete a survey. Well, I think reaching out to the worker advocacy groups and having them speak to FM3, have them speak to FM3 could potentially help um, figuring out a way of how to make it statistically valid. I know this is something different that hasn't been done, um, so I'm asking that we be creative and um, speak to different um, organizations that perhaps can help us come up with a, meth a new method or FM3 come up with a new method. Okay, we can certainly do that. And then also, are there questions from the council that you want us want to be asked of the workers? Um, are there any specific type questions or ideas that you want to hear directly from the workers? So personally, I don't care whether it's statistically valid because I don't think it's going to be possible for us to do that. And maybe we should ask you and our staff to see if there are ways to outreach to workers who work in the city through employment development data that the state has or the, the federal government has uh, information about employees. Maybe there's another way to gather information uh, directly uh, rather than going through either an organization or going through the employer so that we could survey people who work in the city. I, and I just don't know that and maybe we, we need to ask you to see if there is a possible way to do that. Yes. Researcher, I can tell you there are ways. Okay. And even if it means, you know, having an interviewer go on site and talking to the, employ uh, to the employees while, uh, before their shifts or things like that, there's ways. Great. So 
utilizing um, old school ways, walking into <laughs> like a secret shopper, um, walking into the restaurants and um, speaking to folks, really uh, grassroots um, contact with workers in our city. And um, Councilmember Heilman's idea is great too. So these are all different ideas that were never considered. And I think FM3 will be able to figure out what kinds of questions when you tell them the objectives. So. Yeah, it's really, um, I, I love that we're going to survey local business conditions. I'm interested in finding out um, how, uh, how many of our workers uh, know what our ordinance is, what their understanding is, um, how uh, has... Uh, the ordinance um, affected their life? Um, uh, are they, uh, how many jobs are they working? Um, are they using their sick pay Are they versus the paid time off? Um, how many part-time workers do we have versus full-time workers on average um, in our city? Um, these are just some of the questions that I have, and I think part of working with the advocacy groups is they can also give feedback about what workers experience and what's important to them. Uh, these are just some things I'm thinking of, but going to the source would help, just like going to the businesses and getting feedback helps us understand where you're coming from. It's important to also include um, the workers themselves for us to understand. So. That's why I said have FM3 also connect with the advocacy groups, maybe in the, the proposed questioning, and I don't know if this is something that then can come back to us um, yeah. for. Yes, absolutely, and it may not be FM3. We've had that discussion That's with fine. them, and it's not something that they were comfortable doing because okay. they were concerned in how they reach out to workers. So we, but there are other uh, survey companies that could do that. I would just ask that we make sure that they're neutral and unbiased and so that we're getting unbiased interviews. Yeah. All right, so um, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna make a motion that we uh, approve uh, items. Uh, it would be two to five on the, should we go with the, the screen here or the staff report? Yeah, let's turn off the screen yeah, let's turn and off go the okay. to Granicus so we can see the, Thank you. the recommendations. That's Mayor, what I was thinking. Mayor, I have two questions. One, sure. uh, oh, your, your well, item. One is UG. the two, yeah. 2G, but 2G. Um, uh, that if I can do that afterwards, that would be helpful because it might sure. just be Oh, it doesn't there's nothing, have to do. No, it doesn't. Um, right. So my, my two other points is just one, one that I would ask that we get that data for 2018 and 2019 when you come back to us. And um, I wasn't clear if we will let staff at least do some preliminary uh, uh, investigation of that model because that might be something you may want to include in a survey to the workers is if we had this model for restaurant workers, full service restaurant and bars, you know, is this something that would work for you? So if we don't, but if we don't understand it and we don't have something 
you know, that's concrete, then we're not gonna be able to ask them that question. So I would say that we do have staff go ahead and just do preliminary investigation of what, um, what type of compensation model uh, wouldn't be illegal and would also provide a, a living wage. And then that way it could be part of the questionnaire that we provide, uh, that we uh, use for our uh, workers. I think the, the issue there then is in the survey, we can still ask the question. And the question then is, is 1906 truly a living wage? Then we can ask that question to find out what a true living wage is for workers. Well, and get a get a response from them, and then come back to us. So again, uh, again, I just think to have please, a preliminary work, out. to have preliminary uh, investigation. I, that's what I think. I don't know what my colleagues think. I mean, Councilmember Heilman seems to agree. I don't know what Councilmember Byers thinks. I think having more information will help us, and then we can um, uh, have Councilmember Erickson back, and then vote on this when this all comes back. There's not consensus tonight for this, Councilmember Meister. Okay, so um, I'm gonna make a motion that uh, item uh, one, fee and tax waivers and marketing support, business tax certificate fees, parking credit fees, outdoor dining fees, um, marketing for local businesses, uh, Do we uh, just want to say we approve all the recommendations except six and seven? I think that may be easier than listing the ones that we do approve. We can do that, mm -hmm. except I want to say that for the statistically valid current business condition survey, we add the direction that was given to that um, this evening. City Clerk, did you take notes on that? Yes, I did. Excellent. Um, and for six and so let's take a vote on that and as far as six and seven that more that outreach is made to uh, worker advocacy groups and labor representatives um, and then based on that outreach and the, inf the information we get back um, then come back to us with uh, uh, proposed recommendations so that as a full council, we can um, take a vote. Is that clear? Yeah. So to clarify, we're approving all of the recommendations except six and seven, mm -hmm. where additional information is gonna be gathered and uh, item eight, the survey is gonna be expanded to include um, uh, looking at, uh, surveying uh, workers in the community. Yeah. And we may need to come back with uh, council item just for a budget on the survey because yeah. we'll have yeah. to it will likely be more than this survey excellent so i do have two questions um council member meister asked that we provide data for businesses 
pre-COVID, so 2018, 2019, is that part of the motion as well? Yes, sure. Okay, and the other question is um, for item eight, it does reference FM3. Are we still entering into an agreement with FM3 for the businesses and may need to find a separate survey company for the other outreach to the workers? Okay. Yep. So we have a motion and a second. And the motion passes 4-0. And can I ask the city manager the items that we didn't have consensus on yet that we're asking for additional information, when do you think you could bring that back to us? Uh, it would be after the new year, probably in January or February, most likely February. Um, but just to make sure I understand one more time, you want the survey of employees done before we come back. Yes. So that would push that back even further. It may be uh, March or April for that. Okay, moving forward to item 6C this evening, which is... Can we do 2G? Oh, yes, yeah, 2G. I, Sorry, Councilmember Meister. I just have a... Yeah, what is I'm the really, question okay. on 2G? So 2G is the update on economic development initiatives. Uh, and um, no. I guess what I wanted to ask uh, staff is, is what kind of metrics are you using to determine if, we're, what, if what we're doing is helping or not? That's first of all, uh, uh, for example, for me, the number of commercial vacancies, uh, the status of approved developments, those are types of things that I would be interested in knowing and being kept up to date on uh, to see if what we're doing is working. Uh, and then regarding the summary of business retention and outreach, outreach meetings, um, I'm gonna once again stress that impacts of rooftop uses on our residents really need to be considered before we start giving away the farm there. And um, there are several references, in fact, one of our speakers mentioned the same thing, that um, there are several references to following up on concerns mentioned, uh, but you don't include the concerns in the staff report. Uh, for example, Cedars, what were their concerns? Uh, why did Kitchen 24 leave? What were the factors? And those are things that I would like to know so maybe, um, you know, the next time when you do come back, we can get more specific information on maybe even a spreadsheet of why, uh, why uh, businesses that are leaving uh, are leaving. Mayor, we do have or, one. Or maybe you could answer my question, answer on Cedars or whatever. Okay, so if we have one speaker. Um, we do for this item. Okay, let's have the speaker speak, please. Okay, Steve Martin. Sorry about that. <laughs> Hollywood, and uh, I, I do think it's really important for us to have real data, which you guys were talking about in the last item. And it, it, as, as much as you may loathe to want to do that, maybe we have the chamber do exit interviews. We need something rational and something people that are going to follow up to actually make sure exit interviews are happening. I mean, 
we've got a lot of different issues going on. A, a place just around the corner from me where my husband gets his haircut just closed down because of the high rents. Uh, I don't know if you've noticed, Tale of the Pup is closed mostly Tuesdays because they don't have time. Uh, Marcos, if somebody's sick, the restaurant just doesn't open. And you know, you guys, absolutely, workers in West Hollywood are making more money because of the raise in the, in the minimum wage. Unfortunately, there's fewer workers and there's fewer businesses. And West Hollywood is not as vibrant and West Hollywood is not as attractive. And we need to work on that. You know, whatever happens may just be a temporary setback. We're going through some really tough times right now. It's not, this is not necessarily the beach to die on. And it doesn't make you less progressive to be practical. I mean, Deng Xiaoping in China was a socialist. Um, black cat, white cat, what does it matter as long as it catches rats. I guess I'm kind of off base. Uh, anyway, um, I appreciate Lauren Meister's comments on rooftops. And let's try to get real stats, though, on this to make sure that we're getting valid information. Thank you. Thank you, Steve. Mayor, that was the only individual we had signed up for this item. Um, yeah, no, I, I uh, yes, go ahead. Lauren, Lauren, Lauren. Thank you, Mayor um, and Council. Uh, regarding 2G, so this is a update that we're bringing back to you. It's the second time we brought an update back to you from the directives that we received um, earlier this summer regarding economic development initiatives. One of those items that is also coming back to you now on a quarterly basis and will be rotating through on the different quarters will be updates regarding progress on private development. And that was an item that was included in the item that was brought to you. Um, so that report will be coming at a later date. And then we do quarterly reports now on our CIP projects, also known as Capital Improvement Program projects. So those are city-initiated projects. You just got your most recent quarterly update on that. That will then now hit on a quarterly cycle as well. So you'll start to see those coming to you as part of the direction that we were provided in the Economic Development Initiatives report. With regard to the data requests, um, some of this data will be uh, handled and garnered as part of our economic study that we're doing that the council just approved for us to go and do. We also just recently acquired some different software as a result of doing outreach and looking at what would be the most helpful to gather data. One of those is called Placer AI. We'll be utilizing that to start looking at the impacts of the efforts that we're doing on both business attraction and business retention fronts. You are correct, commercial vacancy is another outreach and metric that you can utilize to measure whether or not we are being effective. And then finally, with regard to um, the exit interviews, I will say the businesses are appreciating them. Thank you for the direction regarding that um, and the opportunity to have these conversations. Um, many of them are challenging conversations, as you can imagine. And I know some folks had talked about tears and other things. And you know, closing a business is a very challenging decision and not one that one takes lightly. Um, some of the information that is shared, they have asked for us to keep confidential, but we will work with the city attorney's office and find out the best method to protect that. Um, request while also honoring the request of the city council to find the information um, that you are requesting. So, so just if I may follow up, maybe then you don't need to have a spreadsheet, but you could still have the responses without giving us the names of the organizations that gave you. So instead of saying Cedars, just make it part of a whole list of these, you know, and then code it. You know, some of it was public safety, some of it was high rents, some of it was high um, wages, whatever it is but to give us an idea of what the reasons were and or why they're not happy um, and, and um, 
and that way we would have a little more uh, ability to uh, respond. Thank you. I had a, a similar follow-up question. If uh, as a result of an exit interview or some other meeting you have with the business community, um, there's a specific policy recommendation that you think is appropriate, you would bring it to the council, correct? I would bring it to the city manager, uh, David Wilson, first, and okay. our city attorney, uh, oh, Lauren Langer. <laughs> and then in working with them, um, they would make the determination about bringing that to your attention, most certainly. Thank you, and thank you, David, too. Um, and I'd, I'd also like to, um, as part of this initiative, um, uh, I had asked that you send us a uh, report of uh, the current and previous two years for new business tax certificates and closed business tax certificates. And I see in... Um, calendar year 2021, there were 136 new business tax certificates, 91 closed business tax certificates. 2022, 159 new business tax certificates, 65 closed business tax certificates. 2023, this year, 174 new business tax certificates and 21 closed business tax certificates. I'd like to understand, as our businesses are leaving, um, there's a, these are a lot of new business tax certificates. What type are they? Um, if a restaurant is closing, is there another restaurant coming in? I am very fully aware, and this is why we're, we've been talking about streamlining our processes, that when a new restaurant um, owner opens up a business, it takes a long time for them to go through the development process and get up and running. And that's kind of like the lag time that may not necessarily, and they clearly know about our policies and they're still coming. But then um, there's a lot of money that's put in. So I'd like a, f a further understanding of a breakdown um, in this, you know, for these reports about um, what I just asked for, as well as um, uh, the developments that are, uh, we talked about the Viper Room, the Bond, and other developments that will create more jobs and economic viability to our city. What's happening with them? What's the status? Um, and that really, a report back um, on, on those as well would be helpful. Certainly. The Viper Room um, and those other projects that you mentioned will be included in that private development uh, quarterly Excellent. report that you have requested and will be forthcoming. Thank you so much. I, Mayor, if I may. Yes. I just want to say thank you again. I really appreciate having this information. It feels so helpful to have this sort of information feedback loop happening with the businesses. To Councilmember Heilman's point of making recommendations about policy, I, we hear it from the community that they're excited to create solutions. And I'm just grateful for how much time our staff is putting into facilitating and being in dialogue with these businesses, especially as we're coming out of and stepping into what our community recognized tonight, just a totally different chapter of economic reality for our community. So I think, I mean, what we're really doing is setting forth a new plan and a new way of engaging with businesses and being in dialogue with people for ongoing and I just am really grateful for how much energy is being put there. Thank you. That's all. Thank you, and um, thank you for all the work that was put into this, and um, really appreciate staff and the time. 
All right, so even though the item was a receiving file, there was some direction from council, so there is a motion and a second on the floor, so we'll okay. go ahead. And, and the motion passes 4-0. Now moving to item 6C, commercial vacancy tax. Um, yes, council member Meister, please. Subject, yeah. okay. So this is an item uh, on a commercial vacancy tax uh, to, uh, to incorporate conducting a statistically significant community survey for a potential local ballot initiative to establish a commercial vacancy tax in the FY 2023-24 mid-year budget and work plan, um, and then direct staff to return at mid-year with an agreement for services with FFM3, FM3, uh, not to exceed amount of 46,750 to conduct a statistically valid survey based on the proposed scope of work in attachment A. And uh, when we came before, um, when we brought this item, uh, the mayor and I brought this item a couple of years ago, uh, to uh, council, um, we were looking at a residential and a commercial vacancy tax um, survey, which was done. Uh, the commercial vacancy tax survey, actually, um, the results were fairly strong, at least for uh, a general tax, but I think we were looking at it as a special tax, so um, this time we would be looking at it at, and leaving that door open. Uh, if that is, if this item is approved, uh, to look at it as a um, general or a special tax. We are not looking at the residential vacancy uh, portion uh, because we just instituted the uh, rental registrations for all rentals. So uh, that uh, we figured that the next year or two that will give us an opportunity to see where we, um, how uh, vacancies are going because we should hopefully know what those vacancies are based on the uh, registrations with the uh, rent stabilization um, department. So this is clearly, this is specifically focused on commercial vacancy. And what I will say is um, as long as commercial property owners can write off vacant properties, there is no incentive for them to lease at a reasonable price. And regarding corporate retail chains and the threat that they will take over our commercial corridors, uh, after trying to pass a um, limit to, or a ban on retail chains uh, and the chamber fighting me on that initiative several years ago, I really don't want to hear now that that's the problem. Um, the problem is that commercial rents are too high for independent creative businesses and there's no incentive or disincentive to encourage uh, commercial property owners to rent their properties at a reasonable rate. And a very interesting article that someone sent me from the Washington Post about property owners that overvalue what their property is worth, then use it as a write-off. And the IRS has put out a new guidance. Um, they put it out, I guess, uh, last Friday, whatever, to stymie a well-worn tax evasion scheme that allows write-offs for land left undeveloped. And so what happens is landowners can claim a credit for what they would have earned on the properties uh, had they put them uh, to use using this, um, this you know, inflated amount uh, and, um, and then they don't, and then they can write it off. So they don't, you know, 
they don't have to deal with it. Um, so what I'm hoping, and I think what the mayor is hoping, is that we at least put through this um, study, that's all it is tonight, is, is, a, is actually just a poll of our uh, voting residents. Um, and if, uh, if it does do well, that we have this discussion about whether a vacancy tax um, is warranted um, and what would be a reasonable set of criteria for having that tax. And the tax is not of residents, no more tax of residents. Um, it is a tax on the property owners that are leaving their properties vacant for X amount of time. Uh, and, and obviously because they can and they are able to write off uh, that. And vacant uh, commercial corridors lead to blight, lead to public safety issues, lead to um, economic impacts for other businesses. It affects our uh, pedestrian activity on our streets. And it's just basically really bad for our city. So there's my spiel. And Mayor, I'm turning it over to you. And Thank then we you. have public comment. Thank you. And um, when we did bring this item forward, um, the from my recollection, there was uh, support for the commercial uh, for the commercial vacancy tax. So uh, let's move to um, public comment on this item, please, Madam City Clerk. Yes, thank you. Um, I'm not sure if everyone who signed up to speak is still here. Gerard Wright. Okay. I don't think Mark Lehman is here any longer, though. We get to see you three times tonight, Gerard. <laughs> That's a record so far, no. Uh, my, it's gonna be quick, I don't even need the full two minutes because I do understand uh, Gerard Wright with Greater LA Realtors. In principle, we are against uh, vacancy taxes or any type of tax in this in this type of form because it disincentivizes development and disincentivizes productivity. But one of the things we're gonna use this opportunity during the study to have a conversation around what are those incentives, what are some opportunities to bring back businesses and incentivize, you know, filling up those spaces. Could it just be simple public safety? Probably, but there's probably more to it. Is there a specified use for said condition? For example, I, I don't know what the, this is just me talking, this is not with any uh, sort of data, but I do know when uh, the legalization of weed occurred, I know that might have created a factor. There are many different layers to this onion that we're, we're gonna need to appeal and investigate, but we're, we're willing to have that conversation and figure out what we can do about that so that we may not need a vacancy tax. It may not just be a simple ordinance, but that's, you know, I'm Pollyanna that way sometimes where you just have that optimism to, to think things through and have the conversations and to have the dialogue and we'll use that time to do so. And we're looking forward to, to doing that with Councilmember Meister as well as you, Mayor Shine. Thank you so very much for your time and attention. Thank you, Gerard. Uh, our next speaker is George Nickel to be followed by Steve Martin. Good evening. Uh Good night at this point, maybe. Um, so a few days ago, a neighbor of mine actually said that she was leaving to go have lunch outside of the city. And I said, well, why are you doing that? And she said, because the person that I'm meeting said that she doesn't like to come to West Hollywood because it's sad, that there are so many empty buildings and empty storefronts, it's just sad. And I thought, West Hollywood is many things. We are not sad. We're exciting and fabulous. Uh, 
and we're a great place to come, but this is a problem. So I absolutely support this idea. I would be interested to see what the study comes back with and if landlords are willing to hold buildings open and empty rather than accept a decent rent from people who really just want to live their dream and start a business, then I think that we should absolutely do this. So thank you for bringing it forward. Thank you, George. Uh, Steve Martin, and then we'll go to a speaker in Zoom. Uh, Steve Martin, West Hollywood. Um, well, let's take Mr. Wright at his word, and hopefully he'll, the realtors will come up with some good ideas and some new incentives and some some other ways we can do, deal with this. But in the meantime, I, I want to thank Mayor Schein and uh, Councilmember Meister for bringing this forward because we have let this sit a long time. And I think this at least gets a conversation going and we, we need to act proactively. Uh, you know, maybe the worst comes to worst is that people decide to sell and we get mixed use residential housing on Santa Monica. I mean, there are worse things that could happen, but it, it's very, very clear that there's some sort of disincentive to people renting. And it's also very clear that rents are really high. And um, this may not be a gold, uh, silver bullet, golden bullet, whatever, but it's, I think it's a step in the right direction and maybe it'll lead to something that puts us a little further down the road towards seeing a more vibrant boulevard. Thank you. Thank you, Steve. We'll now go to the one speaker we have in Zoom. Julie, I see you've unmuted. Go ahead, you'll have two minutes. Oh, hi there, uh, Gerald. I'm also on the third time speaking tonight, and I was also going to talk on uh, in favor of 2G, so I think I beat you. Uh, so very quick, too. I totally understand where this is coming from. In theory, we don't want um, uh, West Hollywood to be uh, depressing because there's a lot of empty commercial spaces. Uh, it's, it's, we want to make sure that these spaces are occupied if, if possible. Um, but I would echo what the Chamber of Commerce has mentioned in their uh, public letter. Um, I oppose this item because I think I, it would be better to understand to, uh, why these spaces are empty. I'm sure not all of them, uh, even not even like half of them are empty because they like actually want to keep them empty for tax purposes. Uh, I think this is a, a small piece of a larger um, uh, picture of everything that we're talking about today. So I would caution uh, implementing this because it may have the opposite result that has happened in other cities like San Francisco. Uh, thank you so much. Thank you, Julia. Mayor, that's all the public comment. Thank you. Um, are there... Uh, questions or discussions from our colleagues on this? Yes. I just wanted to add one thing, and that was um, that I did get from uh, Laura that retail vacancy rate in West Hollywood is currently 9.1%, representing 308,000 square feet. And it's this is an increase from a vacancy rate of 7.8% a year ago at this time. Um, and if we assume that, 5, that a small business is about 5,000 square feet, probably even less, at 5,000 square feet per, per you know, space, retail space, that would be 60 businesses right there, 308,000. So um, again, I understand that there are 
you know, a number of reasons. We are actually, you know, there's a round table with, with realtors and, and they can tell us what the issues are. Um, but at this time, I don't think it hurts to uh, do the poll and uh, see what our uh, resident voters think. Thank you. Is there any opposition from our colleagues or any kind of yes, yes discussion? Okay. Yes. All right. Um, first of all, I think what a poll will tell us is that our residents don't like vacancies. That's very clear. And I think that's part of why we had the conversation we had tonight. Vacancies are a big problem in the city. And if we go out to our residents, they're going to say, do something about it. I think we also need to recognize that commercial leasing is very different than residential leasing. When there's a resident who's trying to lease an apartment, there's no real negotiation. Uh, you go there, you figure out what the rent is going to be, and then you either accept that apartment or you don't. With commercial leasing, it's quite different. The term of the lease is typically much longer. Five-year minimum is very common. And oftentimes, there are numerous extensions that are built into the lease. That kind of negotiation is not going to occur in a week or two. It's going to occur usually over months that people are negotiating. In addition to the length of the lease, there's negotiation over the amount of the rent and whether there are rent escalations built in. There's also negotiation about tenant improvements. Typically, a new tenant occupying a space, the landlord is going to give an allowance for improvements, for changes to be built, uh, to building to be done within the space. And all of that is negotiated. There's also negotiation regarding parking, how much is reserved, how much guest parking, how much is parking charged. And then with commercial leases, there's also common areas uh, that uh, commercial tenants are responsible for a portion, and all of that is subject to negotiation. I'd like to also point out that some of the vacancy has to do with commercial leasing with office space, and the whole office market has changed dramatically regarding COVID. I want to give an example. Um, that's kind of close to home or should be for all of us, and that is the lease of the city's parking structure on Kings Road. As I recall, we began the discussion of putting in Barry's Boot Camp probably back in 2019 or 2020. It's still not open. Why? Because number one, it takes a long time, and it took us a long time negotiating to get that tenant, and we wanted the right tenant there. We didn't want to just fill that vacancy with any tenant. And I think most property owners in the city are the same way. They want to make sure they get a good, solid, paying, long-term tenant in that space, as opposed to leasing to somebody who they could get a lease with, but are not necessarily desirable or not necessarily credit worthy. So they take time trying to find the right tenant. Um, it took us a long time to get Barry's Boot Camp, and it wasn't just the negotiation, it was also the tenant improvements, the, the build-out that had to occur, the permits that had to be obtained for that. Um, there may be, and I agree with Councilmember Meister, that there are some building owners who simply don't care and they don't put in any effort to try to lease out their space. Some of them have 
high-priced signage that is supporting the mortgage on their property so they don't care about leasing. And I'd like to be able to target them, but this kind of tax on vacancies is going to have a perverse incentive. It's going to incentivize landlords to lease out to the first tenant or the only available tenant rather than waiting for the best uh, tenant that can be brought into West Hollywood. And Councilmember Meister pointed out that we want to encourage local creative businesses. And I want to do that too. But I don't think a tax on vacancies is going to do that. It's going to bring in probably businesses that some people would like, but they're not high quality. If I'm a commercial renter or a commercial landlord, to avoid this tax, well, I'll lease to a tarot card reader. Um, that way I avoid the tax and at least get some revenue in. And I certainly think, don't think that's what we're trying to do. And then finally, relying on San Francisco um, is not a good idea, especially since I think their ordinance was put on hold. I believe they were sued over it. So I, I think this is well-intentioned, but it is not a good idea. I think we should probably talk to some commercial leasing agents and commercial property owners before we move forward with some kind of uh, tax. I would prefer us to look at incentives to get those spaces leased rather than this kind of measure, which I, I think is, uh, again, well-intentioned, but punitive and will have consequences that are unintended. So yes. I'd like, I'd like to also share, I'm certainly not arguing with the harmful impacts of the buildings that lay vacant, but I don't think that this is an incentive. It may be a motivator for some, but it feels more of a punitive approach to solving issues that are greater in systemic nature and more widespread. Um, we know high rents are an issue, but I don't know and, or understand how charging a fee will curb that high rent issue. Um, and looking at the San Francisco model that was delayed and only went into effect this year, of all businesses that were eligible, just 2.6 of those businesses actually complied. That means there's a nearly 97% non-compliance that the city staff is now responsible for chasing. I don't know that we want our precious city staff time that has already been commanded towards really meaningful business initiative efforts to now be chasing monies that we aren't actually interested in collecting the real issues that we want those businesses open and no longer vacant. So I'm just concerned about this greater issue and I appreciate the idea of putting this out to the public. This is a space that the public can engage with these topics. I wish there were more people here tonight. M many of the business community interests left the room so that's, but moreover, I, what Councilmember Heilman said is true, that people are interested in seeing our vacant businesses open and have new options there, and I don't know that we're ready at this point to just put a survey out to people. I think there are many ideas that we have not yet put into place in that small business development plan. This, there's many things there that I would like to see us move on first before we chase a potentially punitive approach that will cost a tremendous amount of staff time for implementation. That's where I'm at. Um. So it doesn't look like we have the affirmative, but I, if I can um, suggest, I really, uh, I think that um, I, 
having coming up with incentives um, is uh, really important. And I liked uh, what Gerard spoke about, um, perhaps doing a, uh, a, a first step of our own of um, having staff meet with the Realtors Association and get some of those questions answered, some of those ideas um, brought back to us. Um, Council Member Meister, what are your thoughts? Yeah, the, yeah. I, I, as I was hearing all of these mm -hmm. comments, this is my thought is let's use that money from FM3 to actually do focus groups among commercial um, property owners mm -hmm. and realtors. I think we need to actually hear from the property owners. Realtors, no offense, realtors are wonderful, but they also, you know, I mean, they're not, they are not the owner and they may be hearing one thing and not hearing another thing. So I would say that we go ahead with using market research, using FM3 to actually do focus groups among property owners, commercial property owners. I'd also like to include tenants in that too. I'm sorry? Tenants. Well, the tenants, I don't, I don't know that. Well, the reason I say that is because um, there was a Cafe Vinadore that I used to go to down the street from my home. And um, uh, it was a wonderful place. And the gentleman, basically, when his lease was up, the property owner was um, refusing to negotiate in good faith. And he had to close down his business. Right. So that's why I think that's important for us to also understand um, what the tenants are facing, experiencing, experiencing yeah. and um, have a holistic feedback in that sense. So then I would, I would yeah. then suggest that um, we go to FM3 and we ask them to come back with a proposal for um, qualitative research among property, commercial property owners is one target group, uh, commercial realtors as a second target group, and commercial tenants as a third target group and have them put together a proposal for us that we can approve and then let them go do their thing yeah. and come back. But what I will say, though, is, is if we find, based on their research, that it seems like property owners are, you know, just, mm -hmm. you know, they just want to hold out for the, the highest bid, um, I would say that it may not be necessary then to do a commercial, I mean, a, um, a poll, because we already know from the work we did two or three years ago that our uh, resident voters were actually fairly strong, uh, strongly agreed with having a uh, commercial vacancy tax. So if we can't come up with something that works, uh, incentives, disincentives, however that mixes after after hearing from those parties, then we forego the actual poll, and then we just, you know, have something come back to us to put something on the ballot. Uh, not, I'm not saying that we agree with that right now, but that rather than use that money, we'll use the money to try to gather information and come up with a plan, but if that doesn't work, then I would say we all already know that, the, that um, that residents are positive uh, and would 
likely vote for a commercial vacancy tax. So I would say then, then we have staff bring that back to us as an item, is just putting it on the ballot without a, without a poll, because I don't think we then need a poll. Yeah. So let's start okay. with the poll. I think the poll will give us some good information uh, regarding what potential incentives might be helpful. The, I mean the research, the, the qualitative the research, research. The qualitative research. Yeah. Uh, would our colleagues be open to just a qualitative research? It'll give us feedback. Actually, it'll be really good for the business items we passed as well for staff. Um, and coming up with potential positive ways of um, moving, uh, getting to the goal, which is making sure there are not vacancies so much in our city and not having um, terror readers, um, according to uh, Councilmember Heilman, on every block that are so excited to open up terror reading businesses in our city. I'm, I'm just wondering, I, I think this is a good direction. Um, Fairbank, Maslin, they're really election pollers. It, I, I'm wondering if they're the right group to be gathering the information from commercial landlords and uh, people in this business. And, and I would like to just give that discretion to the city manager Absolutely. to identify who the appropriate is people or, or consultant is. If it's this company, fine. There are but a lot of Los Angeles-based moderators you don't even need to pay for travel. Yeah. So that I can tell you. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, may, may I just add, um, in my looking into the commercial vacancy tax that San Francisco issued, they, in a similar vein, offered a request for interest to commercial real estate leasing brokers to better understand potential intended uses. That, and so I think if we could capture similar information as we're conducting this survey, that would help us sort of achieve multiple things at once if we're already reaching out to them making a part of that, if there was another use in mind, what would that look like, would be a great thing to add, if everyone's amenable. Sounds like it. Yeah, yeah wonderful, okay. Okay, so what I understand the motion to be <laughs> is <laughs> throw away recommendations one and two and direct staff to do a qualitative research with um, commercial owners and commercial tenants Realtors, yes, okay. Um, the city manager will identify the appropriate consultant to conduct this and to issue a request for information to realtors as to other uses for those spaces. Is that correct? For what? Request for interest. Interest, okay. That's a new one, okay. But All the, right, Melissa. So we, the yes. contract will come back at a later date with the right. It's coming report. at mid-year. Is that okay. what it's okay? Yes, mid-year. To return at mid-year. So that part of the recommendations is accurate. Okay. So we have a motion from Councilmember Meister and a second from Mayor Shine. The buttons are tricky tonight. Okay. Wonderful. All right. Um, we are. We do not have anything on excluded consent. Uh, so we are at the last public comment period of this evening. 
Uh, do we have any public commenters? I have two speakers in chambers, none on Zoom, so I'll call the first one in chambers, Steve Martin. To be followed by Lucian Tudor, but I don't see Lucian any longer. Steve Martin, West Hollywood. Uh, as we saw from the adjournment motion tonight, the war in, ha in Gaza is, has touched West Hollywood, it touches a lot of people here. There's a million people in Gaza who are going to be homeless. There's not going to be, in large parts of the Gaza Strip, any infrastructure for electricity, water, or sewage. We are in the middle of a humanitarian crisis, and that is soon going to morph into a humanitarian catastrophe, one of historic proportions. I don't want the city council to take a position on this war because this war has touched everyone very personally and in very different ways. And I think we should move forward on things we perhaps agree on. But I don't think that that stops us all in the members of the community to work in any way possible as individuals for peace to be apostles for peace, to be advocates for peace, because we, we need peace. And this conflict is getting way out of hand. You know, um, the area has a long history of terror, whether that's the bombing of the King David Hotel, the massacre of, of villagers in Deir Yassin, the murder of the athletes in Munich, of the Israeli athletes in Munich, the assassination of Isaac Rabin, Prime Minister of Israel. And terror has gotten no one anywhere, and it needs to stop. I support Israel's right to exist. I support its right to exist within its borders. I exist, support its right to defend itself. I also support the proposal to provide $14 billion in aid but I do think that it needs to be conditioned upon an immediate ceasefire, a release of hostages, and lastly, and probably most importantly, a commitment for an immediate freeze on uh, further settlement in the West Bank. Because there's no reason to take $14 billion in U.S. taxpayer dollars that indirectly subsidize occupation of the West Bank that undermines peace. So anyway, you know, without, without justice, there is no peace. So thank you. Thank you, Steve. Mayor, we don't have any additional public comment. Thank you. Um, moving forward to council member comments and meeting attendance reports. Council member Meister, um, would you please start? Hope those lights don't go out. Okay. Uh, since our last meeting, I attended the city's Veterans Day ceremony and the West Hollywood uh, Chamber of Commerce Creative Business Awards, and congratulations to Rod and the Sunset Marquee. Uh, I was also able to attend some of the TDOR event, um, and I will say that I hope that next year we can coordinate a little better because we had more sandwiches than we had people. Um, there were a lot of different events going on, and um, you know, I know staff did you know a great job, but it's unfortunate that there weren't. A lot of people there. So, um, you know, even if it means uh, if it's on the weekend, um, uh, uh, an earlier event, 
in the day or you know, to try to avoid other events, um, whatever it is that we need to do. Um, regarding uh, the consent calendar, I just want to talk a little bit about 2.0, which is the resolution approving and, uh, and adopting um, the City of West Hollywood's updated uh, local hazard mitigation plan. Um, so in case, uh, I'm just trying to get my thing up in here. Um, for those who may not know, basically there is, um, the local hazard mitigation plan is a draft. It's a draft, it isn't final yet. Um, it still has to go through some other, uh, through FEMA and through the Office of Emergency Services at the state level. But I did want to make some comments, and I know it's going to be coming back at some point when it's final, but um, page 77 on the actual plan, not on the staff report, but on the plan itself, addresses critical infrastructure, and among them is uh, Fire Station 8. And also on page 85, uh, 2.0.1 specifically calls out um, annual fire department structural inspections. Um, some of the residents and, and I have concerns about the uh, Station 8 uh, facility, um, and I think we really need to uh, receive confirmation from the county that the facility is structurally stable or would be stable if there were to be uh, a moderate uh, earthquake um, because they are our first responders, and if, and if they're structure is not stable, that is not very good for us. Um, regarding mitigation strategies to reduce uh, hazard impacts, on page 85, a lot of the proposed mitigations rely on planning and zoning, as well as the climate action plan. So if we keep approving projects that don't include permeable spaces, trees and other greenery, nature-based solutions, then we are not meeting this plan or other city plans. So. Um, I, I hope that, you know, developers proposing new developments are, are in this with us together um, because if they're not, uh, you know, we're not going to make our climate action goals or our resilience goals. Um, Nature-based solutions and trees and all of these things, uh, permeable spaces, these are the things that we actually have control of to uh, help uh, in our climate action plan, so let's let's make sure as a as a as a council and on commissions that we do keep control of it. Um, on page 93, 3.1.1, uh, on a previous resilience initiative that I brought forward, I had asked the city to look into uh, a particular kind of insurance, actually for the city, uh, for the loss of specific income. For example, hospitality during COVID, when we had all of the of our hotels shut down. Um, so I would like to see that added onto that. Um, on page 96, 3.3.6, um, there's uh, an update code to require air conditioning, um, and I think that that's something that. Uh, should be uh, prioritized, especially with the amount of, um, of, uh, of uh, heat, uh, of hot days that we are seeing um, uh, in Southern California. Uh, on page 99, 4.17, resilience centers. Um, I was wondering if this is something we can look at to, uh, now. All of our public buildings and our parks, including Hart Park and Kings Road Park, can be included uh, as resilience centers. Um, and then um, under goal four, public understanding 
uh, slash community, I did not see anything about business continuity education, which was also part of the resilience initiative that um, I had brought forward and was adopted by council. Uh, so I would love to see those things included if my colleagues are are uh, open to that. Um, and then um, when the final uh, hazard mitigation plan is brought back, as un uh, I prefer that it be brought back as unfinished business so that we can discuss these items. And uh, also once finalized, I would like to see six month updates on the progress of these recommended actions from each of the responsible departments listed for these goals. And uh, the goals start on page 81 of the plan, they end on page 99. Uh, if we don't demand accountability, many of these will go from plan to plan, and we will be no more prepared than we were five years prior. Uh, so those are my notes on 2.0. And then on announcements, um, on Saturday, December 2nd at 1 p.m., uh, we hope that you will join us for the ACT UP LA Anniversary and Tribute event the AIDS Coalition to Unleash Power, or ACT UP, Los Angeles Oral History Project is gathering at Plummer Park's historic, and that was historic, Great Hall, Long Hall, to celebrate the amazing accomplishments achieved when a group of passionate, fearless, unrelenting, and brilliant activists came together for a single purpose, to save lives. The event will commemorate the lives and work of ACT UP LA activists Mary Lucci and Nancy McNeil, as well as pay tribute to others who were lost in the battle against AIDS. Uh, also on Saturday, December 2nd, from 11 a.m. to 4 p.m., so you can sort of do both events, you can come out and enjoy the Vanderpump Dog Foundation World Dog Day, a day that fo focuses on the celebration of dogs. The day aims to draw attention to the amazing, empathetic creatures that dogs are, all while raising awareness about global dog abuse. And then lastly, just want to wish everyone a very happy Thanksgiving holiday. Thank you. Councilmember Byers. Thank you. Um, I was really happy to attend the National League of Cities City Summit in Atlanta this past week, where I was invited to speak on a panel about decarbonizing delivery and specifically West Hollywood's innovative pilot program on personal delivery devices, our little delivery robots. Um, so thank you to the city staff who created that presentation that I was able to deliver. Um, I was also able to take a number of tours to learn from public housing, mobility, and art initiatives, and absorbed a great deal from the incredible city of Atlanta and the leaders that gave their time to us that, this week. Um, just as a reminder, Georgia would have been off limits for council travel due to the banned travel list that existed until the action of this council earlier this year. And as our city presence was felt throughout the conference, I was really heartened by the ways that this evolved approach is creating new opportunities for solidarity and progress, and was really glad to get to throw some dollars at some Georgia drag queens that night, too. Um, in addition to Transgender Day of Remembrance, which was really well recognized in these chambers yesterday, um, today is World Day of Remembrance for road traffic victims. An estimated 42,915 people died in motor vehicle traffic crashes nationwide in 2022 alone. This reflects more than a 10% increase over the number of fatalities reported in 2020 and a 13% increase in pedestrian fatalities. We know just this past week in our city, three vehicles crashed into buildings on three separate occasions. Roadway safety must continue to be of the utmost importance, and we certainly have work to do. 
Um, just a few upcoming events I want to highlight. The city will be hosting the 23rd annual Paul Andrew Stark Warrior Awards on Thursday, November 30th, here in these council chambers at 6.30. This year we'll be recognizing eight staff and volunteers of local nonprofit organizations who provide outstanding HIV prevention and care services to West Hollywood community members. Please come and help honor them with us. And the following evening, it's a busy week for events, y'all buckle up. Um, we have World AIDS Day commemoration event. It's Friday, December 1st. So join us at 5.30 p.m. for a reception outside on the top floor respite deck of the Aquatic Recreation Center for a program and a procession back to council chambers where we'll continue the evening with a free screening of the award-winning 2023 documentary Commitment to Life, which begins at 7.15. It's all online. You can find it. Just hope you join us. Thank you all, and happy Thanksgiving. Councilmember Heilman. Thank you, Mayor. I attended the Veterans Day event. I attended the Transgender Day of uh, Remembrance event. I also attended the Chamber of Commerce, the Creative, Creative Business Awards event. Um, I met recently with a group of people who want to bring Pride House to West Hollywood for the World Cup celebration, as well as uh, when the Olympics are here in 2028. Um, there will be a, a proposal to um, bring this activity here to West Hollywood uh, as a celebration of the LGBT community and the LGBTQ uh, athletes who are participating in those events. And uh, finally, happy Thanksgiving, everyone. Um, I attended the ribbon cutting for Deli Tally Potato Chip Deli, a new business that has opened up at 1111 North Fairfax. They have delicious sandwiches and uh, wonderful, friendly owners. I attended the Veterans Day ceremony, the Once Upon a Cocktail book signing event at the Woods, the Trans Diaries, the Goddess Fashion Show, and Transgender Day of Remembrance. Um, the City of West Hollywood is proud to recognize Transgender Awareness Month in November and honored today, November 20th, as Transgender Day of Awareness. In addition to raising the transgender flag over City Hall and lighting the globe lanterns on Santa Monica Boulevard in blue, pink, and white, the city has hosted and co-sponsored numerous events celebrating and highlighting the trans community. Featured events have included the performances of the Trans Diaries, the Church of Trans Love's Trans Love Dance, the Trans Latina Coalition's annual Garas Fashion Show, the Unique Women Co Women's Coalition Transgiving Dinner, and the city's Transgender Day of Remembrance ceremony, which included the reading of the names to memorialize people who have been murdered as a result of anti-transgender violence. According to the Human Rights Campaign, thus far in 2023, at least 62 transgender or gender non-conforming people have been fatally shot or killed by other violent means in the United States with 392 transgender or gender non-conforming lives taken around the world. A disproportionately high number of these victims are black and brown transgender women, and sadly, many of these deaths go unreported or are misgendered by family members or the press. This wave of violence has been declared an epidemic by the American Medical Association. The city of West Hollywood is proud to be a sanctuary city for transgender people, and we will continue to support the transgender community through advocacy, programming, and collaboration with local organizations. 
Recognizing today, November 20th, as Transgender Day of Remembrance is an opportunity to remember the lives lost and look forward to the future and recommit to ending discrimination and transphobia by amplifying the visibility and voices of the transgender and gender nonconforming community. The City of West Hollywood, um, with our Human Rights Speaker Series in conjunction with Empower Women Media and Women's Voices Now are hosting a film festival enti entitled Women, Life, Freedom. The festival supports pluralism and democracy through the lens of women, Iranian and Farsi-speaking filmmakers. The festival will be held next week on Tuesday, November 28th, 2023 from 6 p.m. to 9 p.m. in the city's council chambers. The event is free. For more information, including RSVP details, visit uh, go.weho.org forward slash HRSS. I invite all of you to please join join me that evening and the, um, uh, the filmmakers. It's going to be an incredible event. We do have West Hollywood Day that the city manager mentioned. Please join us to celebrate 39 years of cityhood at our state of the community reception and mixer, highlighting the community's pride and uh, spirit. The event will be held on Wednesday, November 29th at 6 p.m. at the West Hollywood Aquatic and Recreation Center. Enjoy a delightful evening with appetizers, beverages, live entertainment, a formal program, and an exciting next-gen after-party featuring the captivating West Hollywood drag laureate Pickle, accompanied by DJ Asha. The event is free. To RSVP, please visit celebrateweho23.eventbrite.com. And those are the end of my council member comments. Um, and it is, let's see, uh, yeah. we are going to adjourn our meeting. To, it is 9.42. Uh, we are adjourned to the next regular meeting on Dece uh, Monday, December 4th, 2023 at 6 p.m. at West Hollywood Park Public Meeting Room Council Chambers. Thank you.